This week's episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by avgearguy.com. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan or videotapes or audio tapes or film rolls that you need to import into your computer, check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name of this podcast, when you order, you'll get 5% off and a portion of your order will go to help support the rant room. All these formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All of your memories could be stored safely on the cloud or on a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AVGearGuy.com has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media, digital and analog, and they can accept orders from anywhere in the United States. Don't forget to mention the Screenwriter's Rant Room and get 5% off your order. For more details, visit their website at avgearguy.com. I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Rant Room Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, they used to pull a kaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. Where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep one on everybody. Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. We went back to Wakanda after, you know, what happened with Chadwick. We were like, we just couldn't resist that, so... Um, we'll probably change it up soon enough, you know, when Lisa comes up with a new catchphrase. Listen, uh, everyone always steals our catchphrases, so it's yeah. like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> try to be original in this town, right. and it's like ridiculousness. <laughs> so y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Today, we got the whole Wu-Tang Clan on yes. the building. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. All is back yes. in Mexico looking all tan and shit. Uh, do you know what it's like to get away and not have to deal with, with people and this country in particular? Uh, and the and the coming into just getting up, walking around the house and having to look at... Um, Looking at the news and all the stuff that's been going on, it's like I'm, I'm not even looking forward to that. It's like, right, right. it's just like I know it's going to be a shit show, and I'm just I have to start the wine early and get ready for it because so I can catch up <laughs> and see what the heck's going on. Um, but the good news is I did vote. Uh, Yay! My ballot thing. <laughs> so I got my little sticker, yes. and um, yeah. hopefully I saw so- Jaleel there too. Yes. Yep. So, <laughs> so, so we shall see what happens as I as I look at the calendar and I realize what is it like two weeks now? We've got like, two more weeks. Yeah. And we and we and yeah. we find so, out if yeah. So we'll find out if we get out of the matrix or not. Like, are we stuck? Exactly. Is we is we freeze? Is what was happening? I go is you <laughs> so is you ain't my baby. Yes, <laughs> yes. What is happening? Am I gonna have to run for the border? What is going on? Wow. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> 
But yes. Here come them walkers, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then we got Chris Derrick in the building. What's up, Chris? Two Doing weeks good. into the show. I, I voted love. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that was a long, heavy. I know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. That was a long, heavy Negro spiritual side. Damn. He was about it's to like, take a glass of like, wine, too. It's like, it's like when we out in the field. <laughs> And then wow. the house lady comes out and says, listen, uh, like, and then get ready for that hum, and you about to lay that bad news on y'all. Hold on, hold on. I don't think y'all know who we got on I don't think y'all know who we got on the mic. Hold on, Jaleel. Jaleel. What was that little tune you was doing the other day that I chimed in on? That shit was hilarious, dude. Wait, uh, wait. You've been dragged. <laughs> You've been dragged. You've been dragged. So white ass has been dragged. Yes, Lord. Let the church in. Amen. 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 That's hilarious. I'm dragged in that side. Wow. No, I know. I mean, I, I voted, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm trying to raise my anxiety. What's, what's, what's going on? It's, it's, it's just the weekend. I'm uh, trying to sleep a little bit more this weekend. Yeah. Um, yeah. How was your next week in, in the room? We'll see. You know, it's, 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 it, it is. I know you can't say much, but I'm just generalizing here. Really. It is what it is. Wait, wait, wait. Is it like Trump is what it is? No, or is it no, black, no, no, is it no, black no. people's it's, is it's, what it is? No, it's, it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. It's just, um, uh, we're just under like a lot of pressure for, for a lot of it. And me and the guy that I've done my episode with are just trying to like, you know, like, like, we're just trying to do the things that you need to do as a staff writer. is like to be right. ahead of the game, you know, right. Uh, right. as much as we can't. You know, I, I got some research stuff I got to do today. I was doing some research last night. Um, you know, like, I, you know, I was talking with Leonard Chang before, you know, he sent me an email the other day. And I, just, I remember something he was saying before, he, you know, he was saying, you know, just if you can contribute just one thing a day. You know, then as a staff fire, we're in you good, you know. So right. that so that's just always the the plan to be prepared to do the one thing, you know, and I don't know, there was the one thing someone wrote on one of those like uh like you know how the WJ email comes out about like um the ask a mentor question thing that comes mm -hmm. out and they just were like, Okay mm -hmm. and this one mm -hmm. guy was like, you know, just pick your spot. Like right. like, you know, be very aware of, you know, when you can contribute, you know, and I'm just, you know, I mean, look, it's great. I like actually, I actually love it. I, I love it from because I get to, the, I get to learn something interesting, like every day from the, the two guys who are running the show. They're right. very smart guys. Um, you know, not just from them, but from everybody. He's got, like, they got smart things to say. And I'm not saying they wouldn't be, but I'm just in terms of like you know, it's one of the things about like when you're writing. At least for me, I love to kind of like to go back and and kind of like like look at you know like maxims and things like that just to kind of jumpstart my brain whenever I'm working on stuff. And these guys all have got stuff like that to say all the time, you know. And not not that they're 
pontificating on every level because it's just there's in the flow of things they'll say something that's like oh, I gotta write that down I gotta write that down um, right. yeah you know I mean it's it's good it's good you know um, I'm excited awesome. I'm really excited oh you know because I I got my yesterday I got my I finally got the actual contract in the mm -hmm. email that I, you know because we closed the deal before but it takes a while before. You get the thing yep. to sign and then send it to the WGA. So I sent that to them um, yesterday. So, you know, I'm yeah, good. It's a, it's a funny thing how you start a show sometimes. And I was telling Chris, because we're not inside of the, 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 the writer's rooms, you know, for real, it's a different thing now. Like, and it's not every show, but I was lucky enough on my show <clears throat> that my showrunner, well, even though I had three of them, our showrunners, were so organized to the peak with their with their um, script coordinator mm -hmm. that what they had was as soon as you walked into your room, into your office, your contract was sitting on the desk. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Now, that's a rare thing because, as, as Chris says, no matter what level you're on, some of those guys still a month or two in, they haven't been paid, nothing. They're still mm -hmm. dealing, working on their deals, you know, sometimes. And it's just business, business affairs and lawyers take forever, you know? It's not, you know, you, you're in the room. You're going to get what you're going to get. Just sometimes it just takes a while for them to close because there's freaking 90 other shows going on. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Yeah, there's, there's, there's that, you know, I had some special circumstances, you know, you know, not like, uh, not like unique, but just special on my deal. Um, you know, there's that, there was an issue where, uh, you know, the thing with the company, the loan out company, it was just a bunch of things, you know, that you just, that all needed to be kind of worked out. And I just was like, you know, I, and I just wanted to make sure my whole thing was, look, I knew they were going to pay me. There's no issue with that. I, but mm -hmm. but I, I wanted the WGA to get that paperwork in because, you know, the pension, the health thing would kick in as soon as possible, right. you know? Mm -hmm. and, and, and so, and so, and so that was my big thing. Um, you know, but yeah, you know, but besides that, it's dope. It's, it's all dope. Awesome. Cool. Uh, is Rich still there? Yeah, but it says he's on mute. Oh, okay. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Okay. How's it going? Cool. I'm cool. trying to deal with the headphones to try to get them out. My apologies. <laughs> Got them bootlegs. I see you. So I was telling the group before we started, um, I thought it'd be really cool to have um, a couple of young emerging writers on um, that doesn't, I said young just because all you guys are young, but emerging writers could be any age, of course, now. And so I want to have you guys on to talk about, you know, what you guys have been up to and any questions you want to ask us while you have us on the line. <clears throat> and yes, these are all four, three uh, uh, males. And then next week we'll have some, some females on, you know, to chop it up with them, you know what I mean, to talk about what's going on. So Welcome to the show, Richard Scott. First of all, what's up, Rich? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, you sound better, by the way. Okay, cool. Am I oh, I'm supposed to talk now? You both say something. I didn't want to just start talking like, "What's up?" Toot my own horn and shit. You ain't gotta do all that. But uh, where'd you go now? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just kind of yeah. just... Okay. Yeah, I'm right here. Uh, Move so yeah. Hmm? Stop moving stuff around. Oh, okay, okay. 
<laughs> Go ahead. So, I don't. I guess um, kind of some cool stuff happening. Oh yeah, yeah, some cool stuff's been happening. Um, um, I started my new uh, writing module, which I'm excited for. I'm the leader of that, so that's cool. Um, and I'll be. My agent hit me up um, last week, or I don't know if I complained about this to Hilliard. Mm. Uh, they basically, I, I sent them two scripts that had won competition and had placed as a finalist in another and gotten me option offers and all that. And I had momentum going on one, like Hilliard knows, like really, really strong momentum. Right. And I, after I signed them, that momentum kind of stalled um, to the point where they asked me to like stop talking to other people who were doing things with the script. And um, they weren't keen on uh, someone who offered me an option. I agree with them on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there hadn't been much movement since then, which is a little frustrating. And then, um, so they called me last week and were like, hey, Rich, so like, how about that one hour drama that you told us about? And I was like, a bitch didn't, and he's a man, so please don't. <laughs> I was like, didn't I already like get you two scripts that I'm like done X, Y, and Z and like got me meetings and you know, all this other shit and like blah, 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 blah. All right, cool, swallow my pride, you know, do it. But I was just like hella frustrated. So I'll be working on that that script in the module, which I'm not too thrilled about. It's my Princess of Maryland script. I wanted to leave the political stuff behind, but I think, you know, my personal story is something that they really want to sell. And uh, I think they have somebody that is writing a show, a showrunner that's got a show that's kind of already in the pipeline, I think. So they're looking to get me staffed on that, possibly if that goes. So I, there's definitely a play there, but it's just like, it's a career shift I'm not too excited about. Um, but still, you know what they say, getting well, where you fit in. I don't know. I don't know, Rich. I mean, I get why you're running from it to an extent, but it's also such a strong point a view that and there's so many shows in that world maybe it's just not the world you want to write anymore i don't know but but it is i wouldn't i wouldn't like throw it out the window because it's it's a lead-in conversation that you have that makes me lean in you know what i mean knowing that you come from that whole political background and stuff is fascinating to me so i know that the shit that you experience nobody's seen yet yeah you know what i mean yeah i would tell you this okay I don't know who your agents are, and I don't know, you know, like the scripts that you did, uh, you know, but in terms of like what the competitions they won, I do know that for a lot of people, the competitions don't mean anything. But, you know, th- this I will tell you you need to find the most provocative way to tell your personal story. And you need to find a way so that when you say it, those people are fucking sitting up and standing up because they're like, oh, shit. And I'll say that because I know that I didn't know how to really do that the best for me for years. For literally years, and I could be, and I'd be amazing. People, 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 people remember me, you know, five, ten years later from a script I wrote, and I, and I had a good meeting with them, blah, 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 they, everything like that. I just, I remember that. But what I realized is, you know, I was, I had met with this woman uh, who writes on Bull and her husband who writes on Snowfall, 
and you know they read a script of mine and they were like you you know write better than some of the supervisor the supervisor producers who are, who are, who are on our shows mm-hmm. i don't know why you're not sad and then we talked for like an, and i was telling her like what my theories were and she was like okay that that's a possibility but you know let's but we started talking and then she was like so tell us why you wrote that script and I told her why and she and, and then I just and, and then I wrote an example about something in the script about my life and she was like lead with that you need to find a way to lead with that story that piece of your life that that you don't think anything of because it is of your life that, and you take it for granted and part of it was, you know, like when I met with, with, with Dave Andron, who, you know, who's the co-showrunner of Little Chang on Snowfall, I had, like, figured out that story, and I was telling it to him, and he was like, whoa, you need to tell, tell Leonard about this. Uh, and, and he was like, have you told Leonard about this? And I mm. said to myself, I actually had never told him this. Mm. And the thing I told him was, I said, well, you know, the CIA had tried to, they asked me to recruit me in my junior year in high school. But the right. way I got into that story, in it's like, I sat around and role-played like, how I get into a story when mm-hmm. people come to you and ask me, say, tell me about yourself, tell me about yourself. And I had to figure out the best language for that. Mm-hmm. And when I got into that, I could tell, then I just, it was, and I was okay, now I gotta be like the actual storyteller. Because yeah. it's part of you telling your story is not just communicating those facts, but it's like you gotta tell it in the way that's in the voice of your work, mm-hmm. so people are like, "Oh shit!" Like, yeah, because I read your work, and now that that's how you talk and communicate. Fuck, I need to have you meet people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and and I mean, and and honestly, I was kind of practicing how to do it when I met with Dave, and I got it really, really good when I met with some people at the at the network, and they were like, "We gotta get you to meet people. I gotta get you to meet a lot of people." And she was just like flipping out in the meeting. I was like, here's some books I want you to read and develop. And I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. And it was just like, and I, and I just, and, I, and, I, and you know, when I do this thing where every day I get up and I, you know, I write in the, my journal right in the morning and at night, that's just kind of like, and I was just kind of just, just chronicling that throughout like maybe like a two week period. And it really, really changed it. And I just say that because if you have material that, you know is strong what is probably happening is your people don't know how to sell you you know because my eight because because my managers didn't you know didn't know how to sell me because because even when i met them i didn't tell them like this story about me right. they responded to my work you know and, and we were just kind of like we were just kind of batting around like what to do and who to go after for the first couple you know month or two we signed with them because i signed with them the last december you know, and, and then it all kind of like had to shift because of the COVID thing. But, you know, once I got into that mode of like how to do that and like, you know, the thing is, is that it gets boring because you are telling the exact same story mm-hmm. to people. You meet new people, but it's kind of it's like a theater performance. Like, how do I do it? I'm saying the same lines, same lines, but like but like I got to find a new way in or I put my energy where and blah 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 mm. and that is what changed it around because I think that your 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 agent he doesn't know how to sell you. I would be I mean because look it look I mean somebody I mean like what's that show that's on USA? 
Treadstone, you know, like fucking that, that spy show. Like, there's no right. reason why, like, you shouldn't be writing that show. No reason why I shouldn't be writing that show. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, uh, just there's tons of shows that are, are in that wheelhouse that you hey, Chris, be on. Let, yeah, let me just ask this though. I wonder. And this isn't just for you, Rick, so I'm generalizing here, so don't, don't look at this in like, oh, I'm talking about you in general. <clears throat> I'm just wondering if, because I talk about this a lot, my life changed when I leaned in on the thing that I thought everybody didn't want to know about me, right? And so that's why I'm always going back to, <clears throat> you got to remember, Rich, the fact that you're a super smart ex-football player, Harvard-going you know, worked on, you know, and politics and with for the big, you know, politicians is unique. They don't expect you the way you look to be that guy. Mm -hmm. So you play off of that and you lean in on the thing they don't expect, you know, and that is why, in my opinion, I think you do have a show in that. And people are going to be shocked that you wrote that script. You know what I mean? That's Whoa. why... Yes. Uh, so, okay. So there is that, you know, there, uh, okay, look, I read your script, the, the, the labels of love, you know, right. and I, and I like that script and I like it a lot also more because I know you, but I remember you were telling us a story about how you were in Moscow and like right. you know, people talking to you and in and, 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 and my head and I was still like, I need to know that story because the Harvard story about the kid who's doing this and he's involved with the tech stuff and blah, blah, blah. Like, it, there's so many stories like that. I'm not going to say it's, I mean, it feels like, a, a, it feels like a black version of social network, right? Mm. You know, mm. but, and which is great. Well, like you said, it's a black, it's like social network meets hitch and all this kind of stuff like that. But people know how to like, uh, people know how to, to, to categorize that story. Mm -hmm. The script that I sent out to people, they don't know how to categorize it. They don't know how to, they just say it's this shit, okay. And it's like, and I, I tell you, I tell you the story is that the guy is that my showrunner, when I met with him, he told me that he knew about my script. He hadn't read it, but he knew about it. And I was I was like, how do you know about it? He was like, I just heard about it like a year ago. I was like, what are you talking about? Like I wasn't sending it out then. I, and I was like, oh, I sent it to one person then, one studio person, like, who's over at, like, UCP, who, who I know was in charge of his previous show, and, and, and I said, that's the connection. But mm -hmm. you see how, like, she, but, but, like, he, but, but she told him six months after she met me, and he remembered that, it was a year later, you right. know, when I hadn't met him, but it was such a provocative way of, like, selling what that world was, that it was like, oh, shit. You know, I mean, and to me, like, that's the thing that breaks through the noise. I mean, like, breaking through the noise is mm -hmm. probably the hardest thing to do. Yeah. Um, just, it's the hardest thing to do, I, I realize. I mean, even mm -hmm. now, like, people tell me stuff they're doing. I mean, I was reading this guy's script this week, and I finally got to it, and I was just kind of like, I stopped at, like, page 15, because I was like, it's well written, but I've seen this story. A black guy who's been in jail and he's working at a strip mm -hmm. club and there's some crime going on. And I was like, it's not engaging enough for me. And, right. and, and he was like, yeah, a bunch of people told me they really like it. But I said, yeah, it's, it's not, it's, 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 it's heads and shoulders better than shit you, the shit you, that you wrote that I read four or five years ago. Heads and shoulder. But those first three pages didn't tell me anything. 
And then he told me what I said. I said, "What's your movie about?" He said, "Tell me about." I said, "No, no, 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 no. What is thematically what your movie is about?" Mm-hmm. And then he told me, and I said, "I don't know that in the first five pages. Right. I don't have any sense of that in the first five pages. So you need to go back and, and change it." And what you told me is actually really cool. But and, and and you could tell me that on page one. If you did that, then it's like it's uh, the thing is a lot of times it's just a small tweak. All this is conversation mm-hmm. about a small tweak, and all of a sudden people are like, "Shit, I've never seen that before." And sometimes people start too late. They need to start. Sometimes you got well. Sometimes they start too early. I'm sorry. Right. You need right. To start late. Yeah. Right. You, know I mean? you need to start. Uh, that's why, like, there's some shows that start right in the middle of the. We're already in the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. We don't need to see the setup. We're just here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where some people are like, mm-hmm. oh, and then the world happened and a bomb came and then this happens. Like, yeah, it's like don't when, you said that. That. Yeah. when you said that immediately, I thought of uh, 28 days later, like in that movie, how does it start? Home dude wakes up in a hospital, yeah. ain't nobody in there and he, don't, he can't figure out what the hell's happening. When he walks out, everybody's gone and he's trying to and then boom, right in the story. They could have easily have followed him through his day and whatever happened. That would have been boring. But the fact that you start late, boom, we're in it. We can figure out the rest of the stuff later. Get us into the story. And we're already intrigued from the first yeah. minute of that film. You know? Yeah, well, there's that. But see, now here, here's the thing, too. It's like uh, the, here's the, the apocalypse is interesting. Because I was just talking with, I was just talking with like Linnell the other night. She's watching Battlestar Galactica. They tell you about the apocalypse, what happened with Gaius and how he's fucking the Cylon and all that. But it's not, but it's not episode one. Yeah, episode two or three, they get right. back into it and they tell you here's how we got here, right? Because it, sometimes it is important, but you got to realize that's because right. they, they left you with a question that a you have to right. right, and that's right. and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. He says it all the time. It's like, it's like, page one, leave me with a question, whatever it is. And I was telling my friend this. I was like, I said, because he wore an action movie, so he wanted to read it. I said, look, man, you got to leave me with some question. At the, by the time I reached the end of page one, and I was like, so I, I, was so like, I want to turn to page two. I want to turn to page. <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? I, I, I said, take a look at the first page of John Wick. Mm-hmm. Now, John Wick, that page, the script, uh, the script is called something else. It's not called. It's called Scorn. So if you look for it, it's called Scorn. On the first page of John Wick, it's got the thing that people don't really necessarily like. It's, a, it's, a, it's about a guy waking up. Oh boy! But but <laughs> but the thing is, is that here's the thing about it is that that John, in, the, in the script, John Wick is like sixty. You know, mm. he's not a young guy, and when he wakes up, he's and, he, and it's like you can like his bones are he's aching and shit like that. And you're like, okay, okay. And then the last third of the page, last third of the pages, it's like he's walking through his house and it's dusty, and his there's photos of his wife on the wall. And they had this really good mm-hmm. marriage. And when you get to the bottom of the first page, you're kind of like, what happened to his wife? Curiosity. I, you know, mm-hmm. I know she's gone because his crib is looking like shit. And mm-hmm. it's not as dusty. I need to know what happened to his wife. And that's a simple thing, you know. Yeah. And but but it's, it's visual too. It's, it's visual. visual, but it's written yeah. in a way where that you want to know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a big question. But you know, in terms of like in, in terms of the grand scheme of that story. You know, Go ahead, Rich. Mm-hmm. You got to say something, Rich? No. Okay. Let's move on to Saeed. Saeed, introduce yourselves to the to the group. Everybody knows Rich already. That's why I didn't get into all his background because everybody knows he's, he's pitched himself 20 times on the show. So. <laughs> uh, my name's Saeed. I'm a uh, 
I'm from the Bay Area, first of all, like Hillier guest. And um Pimp City, we know. You feel me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, area. <laughs> uh music, music, music background, did songs with uh Kendrick Lamar, Chameleonaire. Um, always love film, graduated from San Francisco State with a degree in film, got caught in music for a decade and a half, and came back and did uh screenwriting because I I wanted to tell more stories. I felt like rap was kind of becoming limiting for me. Um, and so of just a few of the quick little stats, uh, Warner Brothers Fellowship finalist this year. Nice. Um, got all the way to the interview. Didn't get in, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I got a feature script right now that made it to the second round, a Sundance development track. Nice. Yeah. Um, nice. Nice. So, uh, and I just um, got an attorney because I wrote an outline uh, for a biopic, a rap biopic that I can't talk about, but I got the job. No. So, yeah. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Where my tips? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Can you, can you hum? Can you hum a few bars without the lyrics, like so I can like <laughs> later on do some research? <laughs> All I can tell you is it ain't Tupac. Is it, is it, wow. Is it, is it, is it, is it before or after the? Wait, wait. Is it before or after the golden age of hip hop? And when I mean golden age. Oh like, yeah, no, I know what you mean. You mean like Rakim? No, it's after. It's after. Okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I can narrow it down. Nice. But I'm a hum one thing I do want to say is I'm a humongous fan of the show. Your show was something I, I would listen to in the morning on my drive before I go um, right at the coffee shop. So I definitely, I definitely, um, y'all really helped me as far as, you know, when you're an upcoming writer, you're starving for information. Sure. And, um, you know, not all of it is good, <laughs> but and, and not all of it is from your perspective. Right. So I felt like y'all were definitely speaking to me and helping me through that process. So I appreciate it. Oh, no, thank That's you. Amazing. No, thank you yeah. for listening. Hell yeah. So then, then we got my man, Jamil. Come on, Jamil. Tell, tell us about it. Hey, tell hey, about hey. It. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I am from Compton, California. Oh, uh, yes. In Compton. Uh, okay. He's okay. Uh, born and raised in Compton. Okay. All my homeboys uh, from Compton. They from Compton, uh, but right, I know. Right, right. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. We got California on lock up in here. Exactly. We got SoCal and NoCal, okay? Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, you know, I was, you know, raised as a, a pastor's kid and this was kind of in the Pentecostal PK? church. It was kind of yes. like PK. Okay. Kind of, kind of interesting and tough being in the Pentecostal church because as a queer black uh, kid, I was always a queer black kid that was much different than everybody else. Um, I always found myself on the margins of the margins of my own community. Um, and so from a young age, I always just had a passion to tell people stories um, and and to make visible those that are forced to live in a state of invisibility like myself. Um, and then, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis. So then I'm wow. further like pushed out. And you're and a dancer. Ain't that a bitch? How in the world do you have multiple you know sclerosis? What? And, I, and I'm a dancer. So how's a dancer going to have MS? You know what yeah. I mean? Okay. Um, uh, you know, but the thing is, though, is that 
I realized that these things that I thought were, you know, kind of just like dings against me are my superpower. Because like, these are the stories in the communities and the people that are always fighting to be seen in an industry that often either portrays us in a stereotypical way or or just doesn't portray us at all. Right. And so, um, you know, granted, I've taken a non-traditional route to get here. I'm in my last year of uh, my MFA um, at LMU. Um, but, you know, I was worked in finance and then, you know, I did some casting. And then from there, I went to Divinity School at Princeton. And then I was a professor. And then after I left professor, then somehow I ended up in the first national tour of Book of Mormon. And one person lived like 25 lifetimes and, and he only and one, and one person, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like he, there are people out here mad because you don't yeah. stole their life. You don't took all these lives and run them up. <laughs> like stop being greedy, Jamil. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it was it was when I was uh, in the Book of Mormon and auditioning for like Broadway and all this kind of stuff. Yes. I was going in for shows that were black shows, and everybody behind the table was white. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, I always had a love for academia, and so I had to find a way to mix my love for academia with my love for performance art and storytelling. Right. And so then I started writing and I started writing a play with music. Um, I had the opportunity to meet Harry Belafonte because he was really good friends with my uncle Ralph Bunch. And he was just like, you know. Wait, wait. Look how, look how he just name drops like it ain't nothing. Like, well, you know, Ralph Bunch. <laughs> You know, <laughs> no, carry on. Wait, wait, wait. You mean, you mean a little bunch of little bunch down on Thursday? Down here, you know, bunch, you know, no, 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 it's not, no, 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 it's not like that. I promise it plays, it plays a role, it plays a role. All and right. so, uh, so then he was just like, You have to find what is going to be your voice within your generation, and and your voice can come through whatever, me- like any medium but you have to find that medium for you. And then I started to realize like writing has always made me come alive. I have to stop running from this. Um, and how I, how my brain processes is through school. So then that's why I chose to go back and um, to get an MFA. Um, and so, yeah, and it has been, it's been a blessing. Uh, you know, I am also, I saw Hilliard Guest on a panel. Uh, Michelle Amore is one of, uh, Michelle Amore Gilly is one of my professors. Shout out to Michelle, and she invited us to the panel um, a couple of years ago that the Committee of Black Writers was having, and it was like Kay Oyegun and Janine Barrows. That that panel, and and Hilliard was, uh, you were uh, speak, uh, moderating, and I've literally listened to the show ever since that day because I was so enamored, fascinated, and in awe of you from day one because wait, wait, you were wait, the say first. Some say some more. Say some more. Say some more. Rewind. You're like the literally like the first professional black male writer that like I saw and met and like spoke to because I'm the only black male in my screenwriting cohort. And so like, like Rich, I was yeah. just like jumping yeah. at the bitch, like, oh, you have a podcast, you're doing this, you're doing that. So I was like, you're on Twitter. 
I, I just started following everything that you did because I was just like, you know, and, and through you, honestly, then that's when I started following Kirk Moore and Prentice Penny and Julian Brees and Mike uh, Gaiuwo and Stephen Canals and Steve Harper. And you were like my passageway into all of these other black male writers because, you know, it, it, it was my first year I was thinking about dropping out because I was like, I got to be a teacher of culture and try and write. Right. I'm good. But, <laughs> <laughs> Sound like you, Lisa. Right. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, so thank you. Thank you for your awesome. visual representation that we're hearing, that we're writing. And now everything that I do, um, all the stories that I tell solely work to give place to those that are systemically voiceless. So I'm currently working on a pilot uh, called Pastors Kids, and it talks about all yeah. of this. Though, you know, they say that we're the worst ones. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's true. Sometimes, you know, it's kind of, you know, Sometimes you rhyme slow. Sometimes you rhyme quick. quick. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're a little scandalous. Uh -huh. um, working on a documentary film about the Slam and Jam basketball program that really was the pioneer organization you. for all of, like, you know, AAU basketball. And my parents yeah. played a huge role at the start of that. And thank God I have Baron Davis now, who is like, probably like he's on. He committed to like he wants to direct, and so I was just like, yes, I can focus on writing and you know story. And then I have a, an adaptation that I'm currently working on too. So um, that's that focuses on the Children's March of 1963. Mm. And um, what I was really interested in about this story is. You know, so many people, we know Martin Luther King, but the true, like, shift in the Civil Rights Act of 1963 actually being passed was this children's march. And a huge person within this march is a 10-year-old girl. Mm. And so I work to, like, you know, I work, you know, fight to get, like, rights and stuff like that. But it's just, like, it's a 10-year-old girl who was the youngest person to go to jail and like they call her the civil rights queen. Mm. And so when I was like, and I found it in a children's book, um, the youngest marcher ever, I found it in a children's book. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like we need to know about this, especially right. what we're going through now. Right. And I don't know it, like, I know everybody's seeing all these little kids that are marching on the front lines. And I'm like, yes, let the children march. And so, mm. That's the name of that's the name of that feature film, Let Children March. So that's awesome. Mm. Hey Jamil, do you do TV and film by the way, or are you mainly focused on film? Yeah, so I um I we do TV and film. I'll be oh. honest with you, I like TV because TV is what introduced me to the world. I was like a TGIF kid. So I love to write television, but I think that um I'm I'm glad that I am trained in feature film writing because a lot of what we're seeing has some very like feature film-ish type mm -hmm. of like, structure. Sure. So um, I think I could use that uh, training for, for TV. So, yeah. Well, I just want to say, I mean, thank you for those kind words earlier. It's funny because Rich, Rich and I met like two and a half, three years ago. <clears throat> um, at the, was it at the Writers Guild? Where were like we three at? Three I forgot. Years. It's like three or four years. Okay, okay, forgive me. And, yeah. but similarly- You know the first week. <laughs> I don't know if this nigga been around all the time. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> and Rich and I talk about this a lot. You would you would assume I would assume somebody with your background being around the experience that you've experienced would have a lot more mentors who look like myself and Chris. And uh, it come to find out that's not really true. I said them niggas was scared. I was coming to take their throne. I didn't know I was. <laughs> no help. So, so I'm only saying that to say, Jamil, I appreciate that. Same thing with you, Saeed and Rich. You know, um, it, it's it's why it's why Lisa and I started this, and why we brought in Chris because he had the same feel. We just wanted to help people to learn. You know the the mistakes that we did, so they don't have to do it. So and just and just talk honestly. Like a lot of times, everybody gets you the glitz and the gloss, and it's like, eh, just give us the real thing. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you gonna say something, Chris? Yeah. No. Uh, cool. So while we got all you guys on, um, Rich, you were starting to bring up. Thank you for the heart. I love that. Um, you were starting. To, you brought up an interesting question offline. Let's let's set that up again for everybody. The trans. Oh right, right. And um, and let's talk about it. And and just to preface this, I will bring on a trans writer to go more in depth on this. This is just us talking to adults. So, where? Let's go. All right. Yeah. So I was just like I was. We were talking earlier about having, like, we're all uh, men and um, that you're featuring today. And um, you then said the next week you're going to have women on featured emerging women. And I was like, uh, it brought me up to a question with this um, script that I'm rewriting right now about a trans couple. Uh, well, one person's trans, the other person isn't. But, like, I was like, what do you call, like, a group of trans people? Like, for us, it's guys, girls, or guys, gals, dudes, women. Do you call them other, they? Like, and I was just like, I, I'm really excited for like the trans movement. Like, once they finalize their terminology, because it'll make life a lot simpler for what, me. What are the like, pronouns here? Right? <laughs> I make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like because I, I don't know, it's like ignorance. Right. So I'm just like how how do you how would you describe a group of trans people? Like, do I just call them they or other, or we'll have them on next week? I don't know. Mm. Lisa, I'm curious, Lisa, what you think? Um, it, it, it's still emerging and a lot of things are changing. And I've always tried to stay abreast because I do, because of the, the sci-fi writing and stuff that I do, regular like fiction writing and being around so many non-binary, a lot of trans people. Like I've, within the last, eight years or so, I think maybe like four of my friends have transitioned wow. from either male to female, from female to male. And so everything is so new. And because just like any type of queer, uh, if you know queer history in terms of emerging, because you know, for a long time, y'all, queer folks mm -hmm. have to be on that underground down low, like nobody talk about <laughs> nothing because literally people would get killed, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so literally right now it's like watching when you see butterflies go to the metamorphosis and they first come out of the cocoon mm -hmm. and the wings are still starting to dry before they start to come out, I think we're at that phase right now where we're trying to discover. And I, I think at this point now, I'm just waiting for the community to let us know what they would like to. For me, I've just still been using they and them until something is, is brought forth. But I think the thing that you said, Richard, is really important is to be open and honest about it and say, I don't know right. what mm. would you like mm. me to call you and let those let those people tell you 
you know, and it's different for everybody, but I think just being open and, and just saying that, like, I really don't know. That's the best thing you could do, well, I think, right now. Okay. Like, I don't know. Tell me, <laughs> you know, so just like any other thing, you know? I think what Lisa's saying is completely right. I just have a question because, you know, I was reading your boy uh, Sam J. Miller's book, uh, mm-hmm. Blackfish City, and he has a character <laughs> in there who is... I want to say the character is non-binary. Mm-hmm. And that's why, because I'm reading it, the character's name is, you know, the character's name is Phil, with a, it's, it's F-I-L, and you're reading it, and it's just, and then it was, says, okay, they have these thoughts, and they think this. Right. And I'm like, okay, I get that, because it's non-binary, right? Right, right. So my, but my question is, if you're trans, are you really going by that plural? Because you're actually saying you are a woman I agree. By a man and yeah. transition from the other sex. So you've actually, so you, I mean, so, 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 so are you claiming, so if you're a woman who's claiming that you're a man, are you claiming the male, like, gender at that point? Well, depending, because not, but, but non-binary does not capitulate to either or. Right. That's why, I, yeah, yeah, that's the point where I'm saying that. The non, yeah. The, yeah, the, the, the non-binary can, can, can use So that. they and them, yeah. But yeah, I, they and them. Yeah, but, yeah. But, someone who was a, but someone who was a male transitioning to a female, they would just want be to be like the, yeah. as a woman and therefore didn't use unless, she unless they tell you. Like, they would te- But they would tell you, though. Right. Because there are right. some people who, I know there are some people who are, are non-binary, but they still use she or he pronouns, you right. know. Depending on what they do. Right. So, like I said, it's up to the person, but to be on the safe side, I always use they and them unless they tell me something different. Yeah, and uh, I have a friend on the Latino committee. Um, think, I think she's the only openly transgender woman that I know of um, in the Writers Guild. I, mean, I know there's a few, but there's the one that I know. Um, and um, who's, she's the one I want to have on the show. <clears throat> and she goes by she. Right. You know, but she's transitioned you know into mm-hmm. that um, thing but I guess my question is and I agree I agree with with Chris is I I would have thought but I agree with you Lisa also that it's up to them to decide and you should you should ask them because right. <clears throat> every person is different because I guess they looking at it from the outside even even myself as a queer man you know uh, me and myself and Jamil we're still having questions <laughs> you know what I mean mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. we're queer doesn't mean we know either Right. You know what I mean? Right. No so, one knows. Oh, no. And that's what's the beauty of it. Just let people be fluid and be who they need to be, and the world would be a so much better place. I promise you, people, it would be so much better. <laughs> All right. I get it. Does that, that kind of answer your question, so, Rich? Okay, Jamil. Yeah, I was about to 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 uh, ask a question on top of that. So, for the sake of the text and the screenplay, um, once you have in like, like you talk to someone, you get a clear idea for like the character description, going forward, like, you know, sometimes when you have to reference the character by pronouns, that's where for me, uh, cause I had a, a, a woman of trans experience in, in one of my screenplays and I bumped up to, against the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so in going forward in some of the action lines, I was unsure of for the sake of the screenplay, do I use she, they, you know, so how, how would you address that? I would uh, say, like, hit up some, I, I say hit up people if you follow people online who are trans, 
um, hit them up in their DM and not just one. <laughs> yeah, you know, mm-hmm. if you can, right, right. So, and, and, yeah. and even if you don't know them, you can still hit them up and say, hi, I'm a writer, screenwriter, yada, yada. I, I have a question. Please forgive me for not knowing, you know, whatever. And then just asking the question, say, hey, I, I'm writing this. I want to make sure I get things correctly. But like I said, don't just ask one, ask, ask many. And then you can come, come to a general consensus. And I think a lot of people who are, are you know, trans and non-binary, you know, they're, they're really open and willing to, to talk to people because at last they can actually kind of be themselves. And like you said, people are still figuring things out, even with people who are hetero, the cishets. You know, they still are trying to figure things out and get rid of things. And but I think honestly, queer people are going to probably lead the way because because they are liminal people. And a lot of times, that's a blessing. You know, to be an outsider because an outsider, you oftentimes see things the way they really are as opposed to what everybody else is used to because they're in the mix. So a lot of times, when people feel like, oh, I've always felt like an outsider, to me, that's the superpower. You know, yeah. because you get to see the world the way it is, and you're able to to help others see that thing too. And I just think that, you know, just being open to people and just approaching them and asking, you know, I'm pretty sure they would be willing because they, they want people to know and be supportive and don't be scared. Don't be scared. Y'all. Yeah. And I would add to this is, you know, we talked about this a lot on my show. I think one of my favorite words is nuance, you know, and the, the more you add nuance to your characters and to your scripts, the more people believe you know your world and you're the master of it. Mm-hmm. So this kind of goes to what Lisa's talking about in the sense that you make sure that you, A, reach out to several, you know, transgender, maybe male and females, mm-hmm. you know, to figure out. Some, non- some non-binary folks. Some non-binary folks so because yeah. they might have a different mm-hmm. perspective. My right. other thought was this. You know how when you create a character and mm-hmm. um, you make them flawed and whatever their flaw is or whatever the thing is, and you have to be consistent throughout. So I would say after you speak to these people and decide what the character is, make sure you're consistent. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's the same way in the style that you write it. If you decide she goes by that she is now a woman or that he is now a man now that they've transitioned, then they are just that and you never have to explain it again. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Claim right. it is all I'm saying. And just understand yeah. that you might still get it wrong. You're still probably get some yeah. pushback from people, but that always happens. It's like no matter how many people try to to be inclusive to try to look at things, there's always going to be that faction that says that. Oh, you still didn't get it right, but you know, you did your best. You did what you could, and people learn from it. We're getting better because you know it's interesting. You're talking about trans characters because I was going back and looking at a lot of old. A um, few weeks ago, uh, before I left. Uh, was looking at some old TV shows and stuff that now would be kind of like cringy, like ooh, <laughs> like a lot of I them. Can't, I can't, I can't believe I laughed at that shit. But grow <laughs> 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 and become better, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because uh, now that I'm back and I'm gonna get back online and watch some stuff, I'm looking forward to watching um, White Chicks. The Wayans Brothers. Oh my God. Which I think is an iconic oh, classic, God. but I want to watch it to yes. see how much has changed in terms of they a whole bunch of They'd never be able to do that now. They'd right. never be able to do that. <laughs> and just no. see what holds up, but it's interesting how growth and things change and how even even shows and TV move, uh, movies and things back like 10 years ago, even. Um, that were tr- that we would see as progressive and being, yay! And then you go back and you see them like, oh, we still weren't really. Right. Well, we tried. Pat him on the head. You tried, baby. You tried, baby. You know, it's, it's just growth. And 
you know, that's the human experience is change and the language changes and you're going to get some people who are going to get left behind. And guess what? Fuck them. Leave them. Yeah. You know, we leaving, we leaving all that dead weight in 2020. That's the thing, yeah. y'all. You know? Right. Right. Saeed, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to, I was going to say that speaking of nuances. So I recently finished a pilot where the main character is black and Indian. And so oh, black I, yes, exactly. Which is a history of those cultures mixing. Now, wait, so, a minute, wait a minute. Uh, are you talking about black and Native American? Or are you talking about black and India, India, okay. India? India. Want to make sure. yeah, Bengali, Bengali. And okay. so, okay. And so right, first. exactly. And so <laughs> I didn't, and I'm not Indian or, in, you know, I'm not from India. I don't, you know, so I had to do research, which was, you know, I, I had two, two friends of mine, uh, male and female. I found two other writers who were from India, you know, uh, descent. And so, I asked them questions to find the nuances, nuances. What was in your house? Like, yeah. what, what kind of jewelry did your mom wear? You know what I'm saying? And then I would send them my script, you know, after I wrote it, just like, does this seem authentic to you? Like, mm -hmm. you know, did, did I capture this? And so I would say there are trans writers out there. I would definitely try to get a pass through them just to see, sure. you know, like, is this, like, are there any things that's ticking you in this? And then you can make your decision whether or not and a few just like lisa said you gotta right. have right. gotta have more than one you right. know what i'm saying so yeah that's something i would do also when writing you know trans characters probably mm -hmm. i think it's a great idea um yeah. i like that but like i said why why you got us on anything burning you you guys <laughs> dealing, you was dealing with some shit out there that you yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sa i was gonna say saeed saeed Sa Sa we were talking about this on twitter so go ahead i'm gonna let you give it in one thing is interesting because chris said you know fuck uh screen contest right and I didn't I, say that. No, no, I know. <laughs> he said most. He said most. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No, 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 no. You let. let. Put some nuance in there. Uh, that's the that's the TMZ headline. You know what I'm saying? But you 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 basically said they don't care about contests, which is true. And so one one thing that we were talking about was. Sometimes I look at contests and, you know, you enter a contest. It's all subjective. Some contests I place in, some I don't. Right. Um, I take it with a grain of salt. But one thing I was tweeting about recently was, and I was talking to a woman who runs a contest, and I was like, y'all got to start getting more diversity readers. Yeah. Because when I, when, I see, when I see all your contestant winners and none of them have any color, right, mm -hmm. and I send my script, and then you tell me that it made it past the first round, but then, then it didn't get through the second round. I'm wondering who's reading my script. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If I have a story about young black men and, you know, coming up in the ghetto trying to find themselves and you hand it to a white comedy writer who likes, you know, white comedies, right. why is he reading my script in a sense? You know what I'm saying? Um, sure. And so I, I kind of ranted because you know, if they would have had one, if they would have had a Chinese woman, I wouldn't have said anything. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but they didn't have one person of yeah. color. And so Bye. it kind of it kind of pisses me. It, it, it kind of right. pisses me off because I feel like like Chris is right. Placing in contest is not necessarily going to give me a job, but placing in contest is how you get representatives. You know what I'm saying? And so 
it, it goes back to like if we don't have diversity in contests, we can't get diversity in representation sure. and then we can't even get to getting meetings for a job. So it's like a trickle down thing. And so I was just well, wondering how y'all feel about that. Can so, I jump in on this is right, something right. that hits me near and dear to my heart. Um, I completely agree. Um, I come. I started like developing the Harvardwood module, Harvardwood writing program. And one of the things I noticed in the feedback from my characters and my shows is when I had like, there's levels of empathy that people have, and it's there's literally studies that they've done at Harvard and Stanford that say that like levels of empathy for people of color, specifically Black women, are very very low. And for black men, it's also pretty low. So when I put a character in, like I got feedback, I was telling you about a script I got back where they were like, I don't know if I can identify with this character. And it's like, what else do I have to do? This nigga literally has lost his job. He's moved to another, he's gained 30 pounds. His own mother's telling him to move out, you're a failure. And it's like, what else do I need to do to make this nigga relatable? Like, and so it's like have you not lost a job? I know. It's so I, hard. Like, I'm sorry he's not a drug addict. I'm sorry he's not, you know, a fucking drug dealer who, you know, is, you know, hiding his identity. You know what I mean? It's like, I get it. I respect it. But like, those aren't the only two ways to show vulnerability. I don't need it to be a guy who beats his wife because his dad beat him. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't always have to be that. And like, it's just like, when, unless it's like an overt. Yeah. And none of those things are good. Let's be very honest. That, that all sucks. But like, <laughs> unless it's like a very like hammer on the nail, yeah, this is bad. Yes. Yeah. Then it's like people are just like, I don't get it. And it's just frustrating because I literally wrote a script about two people of color who meet on the precipice of joint suicide. And I've gotten notes back like, well, I don't know if I can fully get behind them. And it's like, I don't know what else to say to you. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. So, so uh, all right. So, so, so two things on this. I'll say I, I, I'll have to look this up because I have to find this. Um, I read I, there was a, I read something in film comment maybe like ten years ago where there was a study that the University of Milan and like a university in I think Toronto did about how white people respond when they watch black protagonists, mm-hmm. and the story was wow. like they just don't. It's like this the the the, the level of indifference is so high. That you know, mm. and I was kind of like, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. It would take a European and a Canadian to 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 to, to tell this to do this study, but they're really aiming it at the American audience, like more than anything. Mm-hmm. And mm. I mean, I'm, I mean, look. Just so you got two questions. There. So you got one about you know, Saeed's asking about the contest, and you're right. I mean, look. You are always going to run into the fact that who is who is reading, who is reading is the biggest thing that you have to worry about for with with, with anything. Like who the fuck is going to read your material, mm-hmm. and, the, and, and and you know that kind of stuff can you know put a, put a unnecessary hurdle in your career path because what you don't know is. Did you actually not create the right empathy on the page, or is it that the person is indifferent because you said the character is African American or black or whatever it is when you introduced them, and in their head they, they automatically turned off some switches. Right. So, so 
that's why it's 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 really complicated and it's really difficult. Um, I think what the thing I think that, that Richard's saying is that it, so I mean look to me the contest I, I mean look I remember a long long time ago I was you know I was talking with someone who was running for the board and he was saying that you know the, the board of WGA that the, the part of the thing is the pipeline problem the pipeline problem is a huge issue in terms of like who can get sourced and then it's it's not, it's not just you establishing the pipeline. But who is the one who's operating that valve? Who's mm-hmm. operating that valve, you know, is basically the reader. And so it doesn't matter if you have the pipeline, if the person who's going to read it is not going to be, be be open to your shit. I mean, I mean, and, and honestly, the thing that's fucked up is you can write a story about some Asians and it will get through because there's like a fascination with Asians by white Americans that is not with black Americans. Right. And, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and it just, I mean, it goes back to this thing that I, I, I hate to say this online, but I'll say this, is that I, I, I honestly feel that, that, that too many whites are kind of like, it's, it's like, here's the analogy. Like, why is my fucking car asking for rights? <laughs> Damn. That's essentially what mm-hmm. there's a lot of white people think still. And, you know, but the, the, but the way that they have, like, been the, the way that they have accessed Asian people is highly different. So there's so so that's why there's a fascination in terms of what mm-hmm. Richard's saying about like how do you get people to respond to your stuff and stuff like that. You know, sometimes you can't. Sometimes there's no way to get through to people. Like it doesn't I mean <clears throat> look look there's a whole type of genre of like a like like a genre of film called like the British kitchen sink, you know, you know, mm-hmm. what, uh, thing. All these films that came out of the 50s, like, you know, like, like the, the, the was it the long, the, the, something about the long distance runner. There's, there's, I can't, there's a whole series of films that came out that kind of showed the, 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 the poverty stricken working class in England. Right. And those movies kind of really, really changed how the, what was happening in the British film industry because you look at, and they kind of came out of what happened after the end of World War II. You look at a lot of films prior to that in the 30s and in the 40s in, in, in England, they're these mm-hmm. kind of like these high-end, these high-society type of movies. And to show them the working class, you know, was, it was a, it was a revelation. <laughs> and the thing is, is that, you know, like, I've watched some of those movies because I, I was just curious, like, oh, I kind of love looking at these old film movements. And I was like, oh, these movies are fascinating. But I can see... But there is some there, there is something that you just kind of have to like make a hurdle over because it's like that's not my experience. But it's like I'm actively trying to make that to, to go over that hurdle. I just yeah. kind of feel like there's this weird kind of sense of what goes on um, with American writers of like, you know, make me understand. And if you can't, that's you know what. Well, the, yeah. well that's your fault. But it's, okay, it's it's not on me to make yeah. you understand. You need to be here, open-minded enough. Here, here's my thought, Chris. This is, I have a lot of thoughts about um, festivals and script competitions and stuff like that. And here's my thought. You as a writer, Saeed, and all of you, and everybody listening, have to be also thinking about why you're submitting to these competitions, right? Mm. So, and the reason I say that is I came from doing these competitions too in the early 2000s, 
You know, that's how I got in Sundance and Austin and all these other big festivals. And some of them you never fucking heard. You know, some of them I won a thousand dollars in, by the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some I won five. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some I didn't win anything. So the, here's, 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 here's what justified it for me. There's a couple of things. One is my reason for doing it was this. Most of my friends, I've been in this industry since I was 12 years old. So I know a lot of people. So it's not very difficult for me to get some big person to read my stuff. What I've learned is those aren't the people you want to read your stuff when it's not ready. That's where most people go wrong. So they reach out to me and Chris and Lisa and whoever the other people are in their lives wanting us to read their stuff when they're not ready yet. So then it makes us not want to read it again. You want it to get it to us when it's the best. So what I started doing with these competitions was, this is my justification, by the way. So somebody else out there, Chris, Lisa, might have a whole different idea. This is what I justified. So hear me out. I'll pick five or ten competitions a year is what I was doing back in the early 2000s, right, before I ever sold a script. And I would pick them and submit said script and go, okay, I got the script to as far as I can get it. Let me see where I land in this competition that has 500 other people mm-hmm. who submit. Oh, I made it to the semifinalists. It still needs some more work. Let me, now let me work on it. Now let me submit it to Austin. Oh, it became a finalist. Still needs a little bit more work. You see what I mean? I used it as that, not, not oh my God, I did all these competitions and I did this thing. I was like, where is it? And the other thing that it did for me, this is just for me, it helped my ego. Sometimes we don't get any play from anybody. You know what I mean? We're working by ourselves on these things. So for me, this is just me speaking as I was coming up, I needed some validation. So I needed to know that I won said competition over 800 people with whatever script it was that I came out with at the time for me. And I got $2,000 for it, whatever the thing was, and some award, whatever the fuck, right? So in my head, it was cool. Now, fast forward, when I got my first agent at a big agency years ago, like right mm-hmm. after the strike, we were sitting on 3rd on Street at a, at a restaurant having a lunch, and we started talking about the competitions that I was in. And I was like, oh, yeah, this one, Slam Dance, Sundance, blah, 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 you know what I mean? Screw to Palooza, this I'm just name dropping all the shit, and he looks at me and he goes, "Yeah, I mean nobody really cares about any of those. I mean maybe Sundays, <laughs> maybe Sundays in Austin, but the rest of them they can go to hell." That's exactly what he said, and I was like crushed. Mm. But those of you who know me, Lisa and Chris in particular, I got a smart mouth, so I said, <laughs> "I said, well, that might be how you feel about it." I said, but I'm going to be honest with you. I needed it. Mm. I needed it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I needed it for myself. And then I said, that, that competition you just dogged, 650 other fucking scripts, I won that over them. So that told mm-hmm. me where I was in that competition. That same script was a finalist in Austin. That same script that you dogged and that one won whatever, whatever thing. So I kind of went down and was like, dude, somebody told you wrong. And then I said this. I said, I said, Austin 
I remember when the shit came out. It wasn't the biggest thing in the world at first. It became that because it somebody became, had a hit. Right. Somebody had a script that made came right. into a movie and became a hit, and that helped them. Mm-hmm. The same with that's what happened with Sundance when Sundance exactly. started out. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think. Hold on, hold on, Chris. Oh. Hold on. Go ahead, Rich. No, no, no I, I'll, I'll just keep it brief. I had a similar situation where um, Hilliard knows the agent I'm talking about. An agent like brought me on, kind of dissed me during our meeting. Hella dissed me. I actually told him about it, and then offered me a, offered to sign me. And then like five days later, was like, oh wait, I didn't know you weren't WGA. Um, yeah, I can't represent you anymore. And then on top of it, I found out didn't even read my material. Wasn't leaning on the coverage provided by um, the assistant or the junior agent. So I was like hella bummed. And so then uh, another script uh, did well and I wound up getting a meeting with a a management company and they offered to sign me. And I was like, oh shit, that's crazy. And then I did more research on them and I was like, that was the management company that has like an exclusive partnership with Austin Film Festival. And so it hit me, it was like, oh shit, like this script, like it, it's not like winning Austin. Let's be real. But like I was like the same outcome that comes with winning Austin is like something that God's blessed me with. You know what I'm saying? And so that really helped me at a dark time. And Hilliard knows, like in July when I was like late June, July when I was like really down. That really helped me keep me going. And so yeah, I think I think it's really up to everyone to self motivate um, instead of self medicating because you know. Um, a lot of people in this industry want to shit on you and shit on the things that you've done. Um, so you just have to power through, you know? What are you saying, Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, look, what you're saying about how, I mean, it's definitely about how you want to, 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 to use the, the, the competition to, you know, if you're using it as kind of like, this is my, you know, the, 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 the test, it's like a litmus test. Because the one thing about when your friends read your work is your friends are still going to kind of like find some way to couch what they don't like or they're not even going to mention like what they really don't like, you know, I mean, well, or the, whatever it is, they'll find a way because they're kind of like, I don't want you to be, because I don't want to dog you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, now this, this Asian situation, no one would dog me like that. And then I, I'm like, motherfucker, I'm, st- I'm, I'm gonna walk out of the room right now because I'm, <laughs> because to me, I'm kind of like, you came to me. You're not gonna do that. I mean, look, I've had people bring me all kinds of stuff like that, and they're so cordial and so like, and they're so kind of like ingratiating at that initial meeting. If somebody wasn't, it's the whole thing that you, that you say all the time, Hilliard. This motherfucker is showing me who he is. I'm stepping because. Sure. That means that I'm already that you're trying to gaslight me or put me on some like some weird footing for you so you can continue to abuse me mm-hmm. if, some, if something doesn't sell, you know, because because the because the, the, they'll find a way to make it your fault if something doesn't sell. Right. You know? It's not your fault. Uh, it's typically because they didn't know how to sell it because uh, because you, you, you can look at the shit that's on and there's so much of it that is not like and you're kind of like how, how did this get made you know I mean like look I haven't seen this show it's, it's been people have been talking about it the last two weeks that show called Emily in Paris just just just, just dogging the fuck out of that show I don't know if it's good or bad 
but I mean, but the way motherfuckers are dogging it, I was like, God damn, how does he even get you know you know I'm, I mean, people, people people didn't use the pilot for toilet if the toilet paper wasn't just the pilot, but every episode should have been toilet paper. What the fuck? But that's just like something else. So it says to you, it was the way it was sold. I think there's that whole situation where people believe that you know what. Like the way things are sold is a different way than what's the actual caliber of the writing. Wait, what's the, the, what's, the, what's the name of that show again? It's called it's called Emily in Paris. Mm. You know, it's on Netflix. Okay. Wait, is that is that? No, I'm thinking it's this other show because there's one <laughs> show, but I think it's Italian. Okay. No, this is an American show, I believe. It's this show. It's this. It's, it's <laughs> Darren Stars behind it. It's got Phil Collins' daughter in it. It's just supposed to be mm-hmm. some. I mean, look, I've seen. Is it British show? I don't. I thought no, it was American. No, it's a U.S. show. It's the, you know, oh, okay. it's, it's the guy. It's the mm-hmm. guy in Sex in the City. Oh, yeah. it's a. Oh, yeah. It's an American show. Never mind. Yeah, really. I don't watch American. Yeah. I don't watch yeah. American shows. Yeah, just just dogging them. So, but you just kind of like okay, you see that with a lot of things. You're like, you like you kind of like how did they? And the thing you always say is, oh, he knew somebody. You know, and I, and also honestly, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, I did the one bottle episode. There was that woman who was twenty seven, who was who would fuck some people. She was blackmailing them to get to, to get her shit. Oh yeah. Right. So 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 you know, she like fucked Ron Meyer and she fucked you know like Kevin Sujihara and, and Warner Brothers and she and and they got her because the FBI were like this bitch is blackmailing them to to greenlight their movie. Mm-hmm. So you say to yourself. How many times has that happened in the past? Uh, you know, she, I'm looking she, at the I'm looking the at the I, I'm looking at the IMBD thing on here for that show, Emily Paris. A young American woman from the Midwest is hired by a marketing firm in Paris to provide them with an American. You know, first of all, I'm not watching that show. <laughs> a, young, a, white, a white a white girl from the Midwest going to to Paris to talk about white American things? No, no. Plus, plus, plus. Ain't no one in Paris no. the Americans to tell them how to do anything stylish. No, they don't. No. So <laughs> they saying, started style. Yeah, but I'm saying oh. that's just an example of like, oh, how it was sold. I mean, I, I mean, in this now this also kind of falls back in your statement, Rich, about mm. you know, I got the two suicide people, and that's how they meet, and it's like, oh, I don't know how I can fucking like relate to that. It's kind of like. You know, there was something I read somewhere recently, and I need to find this article, because I think this guy was saying that, like, empathy is like an invention of the 20th century. Mm. Like, it didn't really exist prior to the 20th century. <laughs> so, 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 so it, it, it's kind of like, is it really an anomaly the way the middle class is an anomaly? of the 20th century. It really is. You know? And people um, are discovering, during this pandemic, people are really discovering that there is no such thing as the middle class. Yeah. There's the, exactly. there's the working right. poor. Right. There's the working there's, poor. There's the working poor. And there's the, the rich. The, the, the working class. And then there's, like, everybody else that got money who living all right. Right. You know? yeah. It's like, I think right. it's been a huge wake-up call during this pandemic because people didn't really realize that everybody was like a paycheck away from like floundering. <laughs> you know, a lot of us are lucky to get yeah. a little bit of that that unemployment, but that that that's running out for a lot of people right now. So and and and, and the yeah. funny thing is, like I always trip on. Like we just got back from Scottsdale, and my favorite area <clears throat> this place called Paradise Valley. It's like they're Beverly Hills. Like that's where I want to live if we gonna get a house, mm-hmm. right? 
and only like you know a million, two million, which is, I mean, it's a lot of money for a lot of people. <laughs> but compared to LA, that's like a uh, little compared ass to house. LA, yes, that's yeah, a little ass yeah. house east of La Brea. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I always trip on wherever I go. Maybe we're in Palm Springs, and you just see these widespread areas of these mini mansions and areas with just green grass and palm, tree, palm trees and shit, and everybody has a half an acre and whatever. And I'm always like, how can it be that many rich people? And what I've learned is, yes, a lot of people have that, but everybody is living beyond their means to have it. You know what I mean? Not everybody is like, that's their fourth and fifth house. Now, some people are, <laughs> you know, which I still trip on. You know, they got a house in Paris, a house in London, a house in L.A., and a house in Florida and New York. You know what I mean? That's a whole nother level, <laughs> you know. But there are these other people who can afford these million, two million dollar houses. And there's a lot of them. It's amazing. You know what I mean? And, and the key is how do you become one? Mm-hmm. You know, and how do you become one right? Um, Saeed, were you going to say something earlier? I thought you were about to say something. I have a question, um, you know, because, you know, I, I like to read the trades and, and all that kind of stuff. And, I'm, you know, we see the letters to Hollywood that are going out, the petition to NBC. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean the um, copycats to what, you know, we did? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bang, bang. I I love all of them. I love all of them. Uh, You know, and then it's like the petition to NBC over that many, like, big names signed over their spot for the Trump town hall with Biden's. Um, You see a lot of, like, overall deals or first look deals being announced. Uh, You know, black people, I'm going to say black people and people of color, too, but um, black people for me. Um, but then I look at the WGA diversity and inclusion report mm. and all of these headlines don't, for me, they don't align with the reality of where we are as writers. Mm. And so I'm just wondering as an emerging writer, this can be very frustrating, but as an emerging writer, what do you feel are some systemic things, some things that are happening or, or like some energy that's being kind of generated so that this WGA diversity and inclusion report does not look the same next year as it did this past year, because that was, it was really, really kind of disheartening. Well, I'm going to say this. In the wake of the George Floyd killing, Mm -hmm. there were a lot of black people in particular who got deals, overalls, first looks. Yeah, more, more than I've ever seen. That I ever see. Yes. The thing that you don't, the, the thing that you have to do is you got to wait eighteen months to see what the to see what really came out of it. Exactly, because people knee jerk and like, oh, let's do this, yeah. and well, then you never, you never, you and never then, see you know, it. They, they throw yeah. on these development deals and so yeah. we're doing something, and then they're like, well, we didn't really, we didn't really want to give you that show. Right. They're not gonna say that, but they're like, ah. You know what, like whatever it is, like you don't know, and and honestly, you got to say to yourself, are they going to, you know, like the thing about television is, you know, there's there's a certain number of slots, even in the damn the, the age of streaming, I don't necessarily <laughs> think that Netflix drops four and five new shows on the same Friday. 
You know, they yeah, right. usually they right. usually so they spread you know, it out. Yeah. They spread it out. So mm-hmm. there's maybe so there's maybe fifty two shows a year. Right. You know, like maybe that's it. Still a lot of shows. A lot right. of shows. Right. But but, but it's mm-hmm. not three hundred a year. You know, um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so therefore you got to say to yourself, are they gonna do the show to someone who just got a first look deal? Who's like a playwright? Who you know, like just two seasons on a show or. Like, or are they going to fund, like, the Game of Thrones guys with a $500 million deal? You know, whose show are they really going to make? Because they're not going to, the guys with the $500 million deal, they're not just going to be giving them money, you know, to sit on their ass, you know, because it's proven they can bring an audience. Whereas if you, you you know, yes, you've proven that you don't know the system and you can, you know, and you might have, like, a good idea. But until that idea is on the air, perhaps fucking winning some Emmys, and you're on your second or third show, then it's like, okay, now we can bump the guys from Game of Thrones and and, 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 and do your show this quarter or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So there's still mm-hmm. like, the, like, like the nascent level of these, these non-whites getting deals. It's too early to tell how that's going to affect the, you know, like the diversity report. And honestly... So, even if they give all those people shows, it's not going to happen because, you know, right now what you're seeing all the time is, you know, um, these companies have overspent, you know, mm-hmm. like, 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 mm-hmm. we're not, we haven't, like, everyone thinks we're in peak TV. We're actually past peak TV. And they're like, because if you wow. noticed, they killed a lot of shows that they had said. Got second season like Netflix yeah. did second season, yeah. and then they yeah. killed them yeah. because they oh, they have, they have overspent yeah. and they yeah. don't have the ability now to. I mean, there's, there's only a, a finite there's only a finite number of people who can subscribe to shit, and and unless they raise the the ticket price on Netflix, and and honestly, why don't they? Why don't they make it fifty dollars a month to have Netflix? Because they've killed the movie industry, so they could just say, "Hey, if you want to watch any shit, fifty dollars a month." That's a good piece, point. What? You know what? I ain't pay. I'm not paying. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a minute. <laughs> EDD is going down, man. Hold on. Please. Exactly. <laughs> Piggybacking out. They gonna this, this, lose this, so this, many this, people. I just rolled up a geek and think about it, right? I Apple and Disney are at like four dollars a, a month and shit like that. Right. And the fact that Disney said. That they're not putting anything out in the theaters anymore. It's like, wow, why do they just yeah. put their shit at thirty nine ninety five a month? Why not? Yeah. 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 Well, people are not gonna pay that. People are not gonna pay that. I'm telling you, in this economy, <laughs> no, no, wait, wait. But here's the thing: they Netflix, want that five dollar, six dollar value meal Netflix. Ain't nobody gonna be paying. I, you jacking prices <laughs> well, up. You gonna watch now? Shit. Watch pay. Netflix <laughs> raise their rates too, because guess what? You ain't got no theaters to go to. Yep. Well, I want more money from you. They're gonna squeeze you because there's no alternative, and that is because of monopoly. So if, if look, if there's four, there's Ooh, four, yeah. three streamers, because like because Hulu is really Disney. So you have you have Disney, Netflix, and you, have, you have Amazon, and you have Apple. So you have five streamers only that people really want to go see the content on because they have the brand equity. They can leverage the brand equity, and say we want more money, and guess what? If you don't want to pay, then, then guess what? Then you don't watch shit. So, I'll be, you know, so I'll be me, YouTube and let, let me, me So let me back up. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna second everything you said, Chris. First of all, I love it. I'm gonna because uh, I love how the the best thing that I love you brought up that makes the most sense is we need to see where we are in eighteen months or two years. Exactly. You know, is this a phase? You know, or not? Mm. Right now, the thing we that we we don't gave them our phone numbers. They're gonna call us back for that exactly. second day. Like <laughs> because because I'm gonna be honest with you, you know, and you know this, you know this, Jamil and 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 all of you on mm-hmm. here. We put out this letter to Hollywood, dear Hollywood. Yep. Myself, mm-hmm. Michelle Amore, Bianca Sams. Shout out to them. And we asked at the end, you know where to find us, did we not? Yes. How many of them do you think we heard of? Heard from the networks and studios? Wow. Zero. Right? What we have heard from are the, what we have heard from are the, um, the showrunners themselves who were like, holy shit. Hey, we need black writers now too. Hey, and they didn't know that we had a black book, you know, that Sheila Lloyd put out, you know what I mean? So there's, 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 so now we're able to, there's some, there's some maneuvering that we're able to do. And I love Michelle Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. As have one of her favorite words she used called infiltration. So we're here to infiltrate mm-hmm. Hollywood now. You know, I'm over mm-hmm. working with the, mm-hmm. the, the, the education committee, which has a lot of the big showrunners on, including, you know, Jeff and all these other people. So I'm making sure that blacks are involved in every single panel, every single whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody else mm-hmm. is on the inclusion equity committee. You know, so there's all these other things we're doing to make sure that our faces stay out there. Go ahead really quick, Rich. You're muted. Unmute yourself. Rich. (laughs) Unmute yourself, Rich. Start over. And I was chopping up vegetables. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. um, What I tell you, when he go on mute, he doing something. (laughs) What I would say for emerging writers out there who aren't uh, WGA or who don't have reps, please don't think that like uh, all is lost. Um, There are a lot of opportunities out there online. Connect the writers, please here. I'm now, uh, I think I'm allowed to say, I'm the director of educational programming for Hollywood here. Tell tell them about that, actually. Oh yeah, Hollywood here, and I'm gonna try to get Jesse mm-hmm. on one day. Hollywood here is um, um, a program for emerging writers of color um, that puts us in contact directly with networks. We're trying to ultimately—I won't say bypass agents, but we're trying to make it so that we can demystify the role an agent and a rep plays in the development of your career. So it's like you know, removing the middleman and getting us directly to the buyers and the hires. So, you know, we're working on some really great program. I'm not at liberty to say right now, but please um, start following on Twitter and on Instagram, Hollywood here. Check out Roadmap Writers. Please check out Connect the Writers. Um, these are great opportunities for you to not even worry about the competitions, not worry about the fellowships, but just find programs that are looking to pair you with people who want to hire you. So, yeah. Oh, I just want to say one thing about what you said about demystify the agent process and, and all that. I mean, I, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack with that statement mm-hmm. because I, th- I think the, the mistake is the way the cult, the way pop culture has presented agents is that they can get you jobs. They mm-hmm. can't get you a job. 
they mm-hmm. can put you in a position where you can get a job, but yeah. they can't. They can get you, they can get you an interview. Happen. Yeah, they can get you <laughs> exactly. An mm-hmm. I, I mean, I mean, that's all they can do. Is, it's like the, the thing that agent or manager does for you is they have worked in this business on the business side, the executive side, for the length of time that you've worked on the creative side. And all the different writers you know and directors you know and things like that, they have big relationships with producers and studio executives. And the thing is, you don't know as many as they do. You probably know. I mean, there's no way you could know as many as they do because that's not your focus. So you need them to say, who do you know who can get to, you know, is the right person for this, that you you might not even think of, you know, uh, or or, or feels out of your reach. And they go, oh, no, 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 I know that person. I'll get it to them. Because, you know, that's Mm -hmm. what they're, that's what they're there for. But the thing is, they're not going to get it to that person. They're going to get to that person's reader, unless Mm -hmm. you have a high profile name. So, you know, so there's, there's a lot, that's where I think a lot of people, like, feel like once you get the rep, then you can kind of like you can throttle back, and that's not the case. I mean, look, I mean, look, I didn't use my reps to get my job. It was it, mm. it was it was people mm. that I knew. I was able to like connect a bunch of dots. There was that one point where the where the depression company was like, I but you let them. you let them do your deal though. Yeah, I let right. them do my deal. Which I well, yeah, smart. yeah, but. But the point, but there was a point where I met these people, and and they said, "Well, we want to read something of yours. We really like you. We like your pitching. We like your. Well, you want to read something?" I was like, "How do I get that to you with your emails?" And 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 they were like, "Have your reps reach out, you know." But I told them, very next, I got the phone and said, "Hey, call their office right now and say blah 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 blah, and then they want to read something and send this script." Mm-hmm. And you know, and and that that was me like doing all the work, and it just was like. You know, mm-hmm. so because the whole thing about that is, you know, they could submit the script and there's like a paper trail and all that kind of like, like whatever the unsolicited thing you have to go through. There's that whole thing, too, that your people give you. But it was really just I mean, look, I did. There was, there was like I made a call for, to a friend of mine who I've known for 15 years. I had a friend of mine who I've known for 20 years, like 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 volunteer to do something. And then I had a friend of mine who I've known for about three years, you know, like do a follow-up call to the showrunner. And, and that was it, you know. And, and then when all of that was locked in, the showrunner then called me and said, who are your reps? <laughs> he called me and, and said that to me, mm-hmm. you know. And then he reached out to them and, and sent them the, the deal offer. So it was kind of like, I mean, like you, the people that you meet are the people who can do that, you know. I mean, t- and even yesterday good friend of mine called me and said, hey, I got this project that I think is that is really, really good for this, uh, this big this big producer writer that you know, and it fits in the wheelhouse. Can you you know, like, can you find a way to introduce the project? And I was like, sure. Sure. I need to call that guy anyway about something else. I was like, I'll just bring this up, you know, because and it, and it fits. It fits with, if, if, you know, with all that. So, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, that's the whole thing about the the, the rep thing that I think. It's, I mean, we talk about it all the time here. Like we mm-hmm. always talk about 
Like you gotta know the people who are at your level. Like meet all and be friends mm-hmm. with them and, yep. and reach out to them mm-hmm. to see to see who they know because they're meeting people that you may not be able to meet. Like remember I asked you or say or in the summer I said, Hey, I'm writing this project that I think it would be really dope for Viola Davis and you agree mm-hmm. because I met with them. I was like, Well, when it's mm-hmm. ready, I would like to meet for, like for you to make that call. I'm yep. not gonna call the agent. I could call my agent, but it, like I think it'll come better because the relationship that you told me you had with the executive guy over there, if I mean, it sounds like a lot stronger than the the, the right. agent who's never met them, you know. Right. So here's the other thing that I was gonna say is, so some people always ask, what's the advantage to having one of the top four agencies? Here's what it is. Well, here's one thing that it is, because these somebody's got some noise going on. I don't know what it is. And because these agencies have signed all these huge executives and showrunners and all that, they know what's going on in the industry. They know what the shows are. They know what's happening. They know what's coming, right? Before, Chris was talking about this last week when he talked about how he got his show. They already know the shows that are coming out before you do. So, for example, as you guys know, who those of you who listened to last week's episode, Chris talked about how he got on the show he's on now. Well, well, he can't tell you what the show is. So that means they haven't announced it yet, <laughs> right? So, so if, you're a, if you're a writer trying to get on that show, you won't know about it till guess when? They've already been in the room, probably about to go into production. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so that's what happens. But being with a bigger agent or manager, whoever has those type of deals, knows how to go, oh, my client such and such just sold the show that such and such. Jamil would be perfect for that. I'm going to make sure that I get him a meeting early while he's writing on the script. So you get in there early because of those type of relationships uh, they have mm-hmm. sometimes. You know what I mean? And so and because they might they because because they might already represent the actual showrunner themselves too. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 I had a really embarrassing oh, oh. moment about that. Oh, I'm What's sorry. That? I had a really embarrassing moment about a month ago, because like I saw on deadline that there was a show and I was like, oh my god, like I've got a script that's perfect for the show. So I emailed my agent. And like she, one of them, the the uh, one of my agents called me back. It's like, oh yeah, like um, they stopped that like a month ago. <laughs> I was just like, oh. She's like, yeah, we'll get the next one. <laughs> I was just like, oh okay. <laughs> I'm just yeah. Shut the fuck up now. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, you know, we get that's the whole thing about it. Is it, 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 like the whole thing is, you know, I say this. I, I remember I, I I wrote a I wrote a, a blog post about this one time. I don't know if I ever published it. Maybe I'll put it up on my. <laughs> but, it's, but it's kind of like this, right? Put it on the red room site. That's fine. I mean, um, Patreon, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So the thing is this, right? If, like, what happens in the entertainment business is, I always like, uh, I like, I always liken it to Tesla and Edison, right? They were always competing against each other to see who could create the next thing to put out the next invention to fucking change the change the world right so it's but they had to keep all that shit secret so what you're doing is you're trying to be an inventor a create something that's gonna that hopefully will change the world which people be talking about it or or it might change people's opinion about some shit or or like whatever you know whatever the fuck it is i mean 
you know, there's this. I, I read something the other day about there was a, a woman. There's a there's a movie out called Aggie that this woman who's some rich ass is Agnes Gund, you know, who uh, she saw um, uh, Ava DuVernay's movie The Thirteenth. Mm. This old white woman, she was moved by it. She took this this she sold this this Liechtenstein painting mm -hmm. she had on the wall for $160 million. What? Gave yeah. It, yeah, and, and they mm -hmm. gave that money to fund to fund something that was kind of like about social justice. And it's like wow. that social movie justice, changed wow. the yeah. world. You know, so yeah. you say to yourself, okay, but you know what? I need to be the one who changes the world. So I can't let no anyone I can't let anyone the fuck I'm trying to create, what I'm trying to invent mm -hmm. until until it is so far along that it that, that, that no one can derail it. You know, because if you mm -hmm. talk about something too early, someone else could derail it. Yeah, like, I was I was telling Christy of this hard interruption because just just reminded me, like some shows, like a lot of us are on Twitter, we follow all these writers. You know, you see, for example, you know, Amy and Obi and all those writers on on Insecure, for example, like they have it in the room. They, I mean, you see them live in the room acting a fool. You see them talking about what the show is. You see them taking a picture of the script going, hey, my episode's coming up tomorrow. Some shows like my show, we changed the name. So you couldn't even mm. see that it was deadly class because it was so hush hush. So I couldn't even promote it like that. You know what I mean? So there's some shows where you get to go look at me and there's some shows that are like Chris show. You can't say shit. You know what I mean? So it's just all on you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing, but if you think about it, about if you, if you put it in the context of the invention, that's what you're doing. And, you know, and, and I mean, and if you know the Tesla and Edison story, Edison was trying to steal his shit all the time, trying to put spies up in his office and just mm -hmm. do all this kind of shit because he was like, you know what? This motherfucker, he is smarter than me, so I can't let him beat me with, you know, like, like I got to beat him with my name as opposed to, because most people don't know Tesla's name. They think that motherfucker, the, 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 the Elon Musk car is like, a, he stole that name for someone else's name. I mean, look, look, dude can't even, his name is now someone else's trademark. Because mm. he was so poor and so broke when he died, but he created some fantastic ass shit. So it's kind of like that is how you could you could think about what you're doing. You should think about what you're doing, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, shit doesn't get announced because they can't. I mean, the agency thing is before the the the, 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 the they fired your we fired the agents. The main thing about big the, another big thing about the agency thing is they were packaging the shows. They just mm -hmm. had all the motherfuckers involved. Like the, they're still packaging. They're still packaging because <laughs> because the, the thing is is that those agencies are tapped into the book market, mm -hmm. you know. So therefore, mm -hmm. and so many movies and shit is that if we want to make it, it better be based on a book. And like and the, the and, and when the galleys come in, they send in this shit mm -hmm. to their agent friend at William Morris or whatever fuck it is. Do, do you want mm -hmm. this before you know? And there's pro there's a bid on there's a bid on the book. Before the book is even released, yep. because they're like, let's get this shit and, and, get, and get a movie going on some level or a TV mm -hmm. show going, and that's and, the, and if they like you, or if you're in the mix somehow, then they go, hey, have you thought about this? Or if there's a book you want to adapt, and it's having to be repped, you know, like like at your agency, the big agency, that's a that's an easy call to make yep. for them to mm -hmm. get the rights to mm -hmm. it, you know. What I mean, but they can fuck you because like David Simon says. How you know when David Simon sold Homicide to uh, Barry Levinson? They didn't tell him that 
like 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 CAA didn't tell him that they repped Perry Levinson. So <laughs> it was such a and, and they said, "Oh, his agents are so hard. They're they're hard <laughs> wow. to offer. We can't give you any more. We can't give you any more." You know, which is not he thought it was not true. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why he was like, "Fuck all." That's why he kind of like screwed them on. I mean, that's why he kind of blackmailed them to get some back end on that show, like whatever the points and stuff. But they played him. They played him hard, which is which is essentially what they'll do to anybody because because they're, they're number one. Uh, loyalties to the agency, not necessarily you, the client. Yep. Hey, hey, uh, Hilliard, yeah. I had I had one quick question that um sure. about craft because craft. you know mm. at the end of the day that's the most important shit. You know what I'm saying? And it's it's and so my question is, you know, I've been hearing a lot, you know, about COVID and stuff, and like we, I think Fauci just said it'll be April when there's like a possibility of like mass vaccine or anything like that so for the next six months what suggestions do you chris lisa have on upcoming writers improving their craft like shit we can do you know what i'm okay. saying that you suggest to improve our craft over the it's next six months one. thank it's you an easy one here's the deal chris and i myself chris and lisa we've been talking about this for going on eight years now on this show you always learn more when you read more. And I don't just mean scripts. Like I said, Chris and Lisa are, are avid, you know, novel book readers. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, and short stories and like all that. You just grow so much more. Like if you ever just sit and talk to Lisa and Chris, you understand why they're so smart. You know, you could tell they're well read by the things that they know, you know, and, and, and you should be aspiring to do that. Like I told you, and I say it all the time, just even with, with scripts, if a week goes by and you haven't read a new script, you are not trying to me. If I can read 10 as busy as I am, you are not trying. You feel me? And this is how you grow. That's your craft grows when you know what to do, right? So the more scripts you read, I'm just using scripts as an analogy for now, you know, but imagine if like... When, when, when I'm not in a mood to read a script and be inspired, I pull out Stephen King, the smartest fucking writer in my opinion. Right, and, right. You know, you want to see some prose? You want to see how to, how to enter a scene or develop a character on the page? Just read a freaking page of him. And you'd be like, holy shit, I got work to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? I wish I was that smart. I would be Fash. dangerous as fuck. Right? So, Go ahead, Chris. So... Uh, there's a there's a black woman director named Victoria Mahoney, and she, you know, she's you know she's got some great work behind her. I think what her, one of her one of her true feathers in her cap was she was selected to shoot second unit on the on episode nine of Star Wars. So they, the first time they give like a woman that job and a, like and a person of color that job on a big sci-fi thing. But the other day, she posted something on Instagram, maybe that was maybe it's Twitter that was like she, like she, she like like her thing was self-taught film school. Mm. She was like, I copied this down because I wanted to say this on the thing today. She was like, for, for every nickel I earned, I, it, it went toward watching films, like reading films and shooting films. And this that's part, this is what she mm-hmm. said. She said, I will perpetually reread scripts. Mm-hmm. Once to identify what I responded to, 
wants to identify what I bumped against, wants solely for dialogue, wants solely for descriptions, and wants solely for resonance. Right. You know, and, and, she, and she was like, this bundle has traveled a long distance with me. And she's got a, and she's sitting, she's in her library at her house and she's got like a stack of like, looks like 20 scripts that are sitting next to her. And they're all like the, they're all printed out. You know, can, can we like, put a link to that in the show notes, Chris? Um, you think I can, or at least at least let me know who she is, and I'll try to see what I can do. So. I can post this on here. I mean, the script she has, it's like it's a it's a wide variety of movies. She's got like a couple movies that that, that like I never seen. Mm. Um, you? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I never seen. Blasphemy. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's and, and a couple up here that I'm I'm curious to know why she. She's got these, to, you know, to, to be reread. I mean, obviously, she's got some classics like On the Waterfront, Chinatown, The Matrix, Citizen and Kane, mm-hmm. Color Purple, Serpico, but she's got Lenny up here. Oh, she's got nice. that movie called At Close Range, that, that uh, Sean Penn movie. She's got this movie called Francis, which I've never seen. I was like, what the hell is that? You got mm-hmm. Deer Hunter. She's mm-hmm. got Thelma Louise. She's got Mean Streets. She's got Boys in the Hood. She's got classics. Um, she's got mm-hmm. Mrs. Size. She's got Malcolm X. She's got Taxi Driver. She's got like uh, he got um, Romeo was bleeding. Like that's mm-hmm. a very curious choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember seeing that movie. I was like, I wonder why she chose this. She's got Round Midnight, the jazz movie. You know, she's got Once Upon a Time in America, the last fucking Sergio Leone film. So it's like it's just a lot, and it's like and the, what she does when she's rereading is what you can do. And, that, and she's a filmmaker, you know. I, mean, right, I think right. she rewrote a movie. I think she wrote a movie. She's an AFI that she directed, but then she's mainly directing a lot of television. So I don't know if she's like a writer, writer. But it's like that's the thing that you do is you go back and you reread the scripts. I mean, I was talking with the guy that I'm writing my episode with on my show. <laughs> we were talking about movies, favorite movies, and I was like, "Oh yeah," he said, "What do you do today?" I was like, "Oh, I just ordered the the." The, the Venice Film Festival poster for when Michael Kate, Michael Clayton premiered at that film festival. Oh, yeah. It's a huge, yeah. it's, it's like a 39 by 50. And I was like, I love that movie. He's like, oh, yeah, I love the movie, too. I keep that script open. I love that script. I've heard that from a bunch of different writers. They keep that Gilroy script open. And I was like, yeah, because that motherfucker wrote his ass off <laughs> on that script. And Page one. Yeah. Yes, and, and it's one of the <laughs> yeah. few scripts where I think there's one scene in the script that's not in the movie, but everything in the script is in the movie the way it was written. I was like, this motherfucker, <laughs> good, yeah. uh, Chris, shit, Chris. shit like that, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's what you can do because the the one thing that that like I enjoy about well, this is the thing I was telling Sarah the other day about one of the things that that, that I do. Is that, you know, like I was reading that the the William Goldman book called um, Screenwriting Trade. No, no, the second one called what called What Lie Did I Tell? What Lie Did I Tell? And he he was like, he was like, screen. I said this before. Screenwriting is like poetry. It really is. And he he gave an example of a poem, and he said this, and 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 knows what you're doing, knows what he's doing, the 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 poet the poet is doing here, and I was like, ow. Now I get what poetry is really supposed to be because I didn't really get it for a long, long time. I I would I avoided it, but and the now, choice of words and how short they are and, and how short to paint these two. So now 
I usually read two or three poems before I do any writing. Yes. Just to kind of jumpstart my brain to like, okay, mm -hmm. how do I do that? And I always find some little like two words put together or some, I was like, mm -hmm. I would never thought to put those two, like those two words together. I'm going to use that somewhere in my script. Right. Somewhere I'm going to use the, what they did. It, and it yeah. might not be this script. It might be another script. It might be, yeah. I got this script, this thing, this file thing is called language hacks. It's like, this, I just put shit in. I'm like, this motherfucker knew how to do something that I would never even imagine. Mm -hmm. You know? And it's just like, keep it going. Because that's, that's exactly what I'm talking about when I read, like, Stephen King, if I'm reading a novel, for example, because I'm looking at, wow, like, this stuff, You, if you could get that voice and put it into a script, it would sing. It's, <laughs> you know like, I mean? like, it's like, let me give you an example of when, when Chris talks about poetry and script writing from the Michael Clayton script. One of my favorite lines from that script, and I've used it when we were teaching classes with the organizational back screenwriters, when I talk about making language pop, like you only have so much space mm -hmm. in a script where the character is without overwriting. There's like mm. one of the characters that's described in there, they call this character a velvet switchblade. Bitch, yes. come on. Uh, wow. Yeah, a wow. velvet switchblade. You know what a switchblade is. But to be called, this older character, to be called a velvet switchblade, let you know, number one, this, this, this bitch gonna cut you up, but he's smooth, so. <laughs> yes. and he do it. He's got some grace to him, but don't fuck with him. Mm -hmm, yeah. It's like those, those little things like that. So when we talk about poetry, that's, that's the essence we're talking about basically, in terms of learning. he got the moves like Jagger. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. Chris, I have a quick question because I was trying to uh, research it. Um, do you know how many times uh, uh, he rewrote uh, the script? How many rewrites he did? On Michael Clayton? Oof. Yeah, on oh Michael. Yeah, the reason why I'm interested because one of my favorite screenplays that I'm like, I constantly reread is Billy Wilder's uh, The Apartment. Oh, yeah. Um, and. I I just like just try to figure out how many times he rewrote that. He rewrote that thirty five times. Wow! And so I was like, dang. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, like I, yeah. So so the other day, I was looking for a movie online, a script because I wanted to find something I wanted to read to, get, to give to someone, and I happened to come mm -hmm. across Billy Ray's Captain Phillips, and I think mm -hmm. it's it's and it's oh. called Maersk online because that's the name of the shipping company mm -hmm. that 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 you know that the boat the the hijack thing is called Maris. You've probably seen it. Like one of the new things. <laughs> and I and I realized that oh I remembered in his office he had thirteen versions of that script. Right. And mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I wanted that he had printed out and put up on his bookshelf. And I real and I remembered that it wasn't until draft eleven or twelve where it said Captain Phillips on it. Oh, okay. you know where the the the, the first ten or eleven were all called Maersk. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was like, yeah, this is him. This is Billy Ray, and 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 Billy Ray always talks about you know you get that quote from um, Last Tycoon where where he's like uh, uh, something like you know like I'm not talented enough. Like, he has something where he's like, it's not about talent, it's about how hard you work. Right. You know, it's a very mm -hmm. quote from, like, that Fitz, F. Scott Fitzgerald thing. And, um, uh, and, I, hey, I, 
and, and I just believe, believe that. So you got to rewrite as much as you can. Yeah. I was just going to say this. Think about it like this, Jamil. So usually when you are commissioned to write a screenplay, for example, mm-hmm. you, you're commissioned, so you commence, right? So you get your check. You go off and you write for four months or whatever it is, and then you turn it in your version. You get another check. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So the reason why people think that these that these writers make so much money, like, oh, they sold a script for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. It still takes them a year and a half to get the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It still doesn't occur. Mm-hmm. So it takes a mm-hmm. long time for you. Get there the are there's step so, <laughs> Right. So, so let's let's just say let's just say you agree to and they've taken away the two or three steps now. So it's only like one step, which fucking sucks. Right. So basically, you write the script, and they're like, thank you. Who else do we have that can fix this? Right? right? Like, right. literally. Right. So what, you, what your job to do is go, I demand two steps at least, right? So that you can come in and do the rewrite. You can come in and do whatever, right? So they do start. I think you, I think you have to do the rewrite, if I recall. So anyway, um, um, so, so you do all these different things, right? You turn in your script. Let's just say it even goes into production. Right. But by the time you get your director and the director goes, you know what, Jamil, I love this, but I think we need a scene where this happens. I think we need to do this. Now, you being the guy you are, want to get a movie more than likely. What do you think you're going to do? You're going to start fixing it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, shit, we got such and such director on board. I'd be stupid not to do this. Right. Right. So. So, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. look, so two things about that, like one. What they do now is they uh, they give you the one step deal. The producer the producer is gonna ask you for two or three free rewrites. Yep. Because he's uh, like, we got one chance to take this to the studio. Yeah. Can you know? Can you do this? Can you do this? And they do. The producers pass and all that bullshit. Producers pass before they, you know, and you're not getting paid. You know, I mean, that's about the thing about the back to the Captain Phillips. That's the thing. He changed the title of the movie when Paul Greengrass came on. Right. Paul Greengrass called it this. That's part of why the title changed. Because the, and there was three drafts after that were called Captain Phillips. So it's like, oh, once the damn director came on, he had to do three more drafts. And the thing is, I don't know how much he did, you know, but like between drafts. You know, like how much is it? I know mm-hmm. that he was telling me one time, or maybe it was in a book. I can't remember. I read somewhere that he was like, I spent a lot of time showing Captain Phillips's like life in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Oh, before and they I, got on the boat. Before we got on the boat, and he was right, like, right. and I just and I and I gradually just pushed all that down to like a couple scenes that I paralleled with the like with the um, the, the the hijacker. So you so you kind of see a, a parallel lives of here's it's because mm-hmm. it's about two captains. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like it's about this, and you kind of see, you know, what these two captains are doing on on an average day that brings them to that main day, and it's like, but it took him a while to get to that point because it's like because you want to just because 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 you never know what's gonna happen. You mm-hmm. want to create the character. There's so much you got to do when you rewrite because mm-hmm. you don't know if it's like, you know, you think it's a rewrite like a page one. It's not a page one. <laughs> It's like, you know, it can't be. because No, it's, these are not complete rewrites. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. you okay. change okay. scenes, you put it all back together, and that's a draft. You know what I mean? Okay. So it's not okay. like they started okay. over in every single okay. one. Okay. But I, I bet that when the, the director came on, some big things did change. 
you know, because now the direction got focused on Captain Phillips. So even though it was about these two parallel characters, he still was our A story. He was our hero. You know yeah. what I mean? He's the one yeah. who says that. So, so it, it probably got more narrowed, you know, toward him too, I wonder. Um, yeah, but it's, I mean, because the thing you, it's, the, the, the thing I tell people all the time, it's like you, it's like you got to think about who you're writing for. And when you, and when the director comes on, he's got, he or she's got ideas about what, about, about like what your script, you know, like said to them. And then there's other ideas that go, oh, that sparks. Let's enhance this. Mm-hmm. Let's enhance mm-hmm. that. You know, I mean, I and then you got Tom Hanks. The Tom Hanks pass. Who was also a director himself. So I'm pretty exactly. sure he wanted to put his, right. put his little stank on it, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he's right. got two Academy Awards. So he's not just like anybody. He's like, really right. Right. And that's all. That's all fine. You know, and you just kind of like, OK, so the thing is, is that those rewrites are kind of like. Let's just say there might be like four scenes that you got to redo because he's mm-hmm. like, you know, there's, there was all this talk about. I mean, what Tom Hanks was doing, Saving Private Ryan. If you read that script, the his character talks a lot in the, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like 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 when they're walking, everything like that. And Hanks was kind of like, I don't need to say any of that. Mm-hmm. I can just do it in looks. <laughs> You know, and and Robert Rudd was talking like motherfucker. I slaved to get that. But that shit happens. I mean, look, 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 look the, the, the really great podcast that I listen to. It's called uh, it's called the Director's Cut that the DGA uh, puts out, where they you know they show a movie and then they interview, and then another director of note interviews that director. And they got about it's about a half hour long. I listened to one the other day where uh, Scott Z. Burns was talking about his his latest movie called The Report that came out, and he was saying, "Well, yeah, you know, I, I remember when I was he's like when, when I was just writing, and I was working with Steven Soderbergh on Contagion. There was this big chunk of, of really important dialogue that I needed to to, to get to explain some of the shit, and it was for Kate Winslet's character, and she was like, "Hey, Kate, can we work on this?" And then Silverberg was like, you just go work on that because I'm filming shit. And then he was like, I'm working with her. And she was able to just like summarize my intention in a few, just, just raise her eyebrow. She was like, he just raised her eyebrow. And, and, and he was like, that was better than anything I wrote. <laughs> you know, so she had to go. And it's like, yeah, because cause, cause you're not writing for the page. You're writing to be performance, mm-hmm. so there's always going to be another pass to get the performance right. You know, you like, right, right. I need to understand all of that. You know, yeah. you know. I mean, I mean, like, like the the one thing that I do for my, um, I'm in two writers groups, and there's one I do that that we meet like once a month, and one that we meet um, every other week. And the one that we meet like every other week, you can only bring in around fifteen maybe 18 pages because because we read them out loud so like mm-hmm. a sequel like yeah you know we read them out That's loud so, so you hear the dialogue and the minute you start hearing the dialogue you're like whoa <laughs> you know um i mean and, and, just, and just last just last week i was reading the scene this major scene in my, my movie that i i've been struggling with for like a month and 
I finally was able to have time to sit down and read it with them. The cool thing is, there's there are three writers in my group who who do act. You know, like there's a girl who's on insecure in the group, and this one guy who's taking acting classes, and 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 I had I had them read this one scene between two of them, and I could just hear because because they got into it, mm-hmm. and I could mm-hmm. hear I was like, oh, this. It, this line, like, it is a bad way to end the scene because dramatically they've, like, they amped it up the right way that mm. when he said that line that I thought was a good way to end the line, it's, it, 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 like, it made him sound like a bitch because they were arguing. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, and he said that, and he was like, sound like a bitch to the end of the scene. I, I did, all was good, but then I was like, yeah, I know. I know. I know. Uh, because he, because uh, it was a big argument. It was like, <laughs> And and I, and I and I was like, so if I ended it here instead, which makes the scene shorter, then it, you know you don't go out the same way. It's a door can slam and blah blah blah, and it still has the mm-hmm. kind of like the ambiguous finality that I wanted without him sounding like that. Okay, but, this is an interesting thing. I know we're getting, I know we're going long here, but just roll with me for a second. In the time that we're in now, this is for all of you emerging writers out there listening to be thinking about this. Now that everybody's at home, pretty much, and and you guys are at a place now where um, I, I can't remember if it was you, if you was Jamil, you Jamil, who reached out to me on on Twitter or something. I can't remember, but mm-hmm. but but now you could do that, you know. Maybe it was you, Saeed. Now think about it. But but now you could do that. Now you could reach out to folks and be like, "Hey, dude, I like what you're doing, right? Compliment somebody. You'd be surprised how far you can go. <laughs> you know what I mean?" And so, and, and all you could just do is, hey, dude, you have five minutes for me, you know, to get on a Skype or to get on a Zoom. It's the same theory to what Chris is talking about. You can reach out to actors. You don't need no stars. You can say, hey, I'm putting together this Zoom. We're going to do a reading of this thing. I need, I need an actor who's, who's black, who's this. I need a white actor, whatever your cast is, and say, hey, dude, hit DM me. And you'll be surprised how many people want to get involved just because they want to be doing shit. Mm-hmm. You know, who wants right. you? Who want, who want to keep the chops up? You know what I mean? Let's do this for me. I need, I just got to get this better. And Chris is right. You hear that shit go and, and dialogue and, you know. And, and I'm, co- I'm co-signing that. that because there's nothing better than hearing your dialogue out loud. Because as you're having the actor say it, you could be taking notes and you can just instantly hear. Even with you, because a lot of times you read your own script out loud, but Sometimes you've been looking at that thing for so long that you just you just kind of tune your own self out. But to hear it, you know, and to take those notes and just to take advantage because fuck, people are at home. They want something to do, yeah. you know. <laughs> and it's like use this time. Down? What is that? Have you guys seen Party Down? Oh, no. what's up? Uh, it's a it's a great show with um, Adam Scott and the jane lynch and um stars about four or five years ago yeah yeah yeah, about servers they're all servers and catering i was a catering bartender so it really resonated with me but (laughs) anyways um what i felt there was this one episode where like i forgot the dude's name he's um he plays um he's on silicon valley he plays like the dour satanist um with like the witty biting humor um anyways his character is like this brooding writer and so um He's been working on this this movie for like years, and he's been, he's been talking about it. I think, and so finally, the second season, like they got really super high. And this one guy was like, "Have you ever like read your script out loud?" And he was like, "What?" 
<laughs> the episode was just about them reading his script out loud. He's having like this epiphany, and he's just like, "Oh my god, like, this is a real thing." Sorry, it's just another good script to like really shine a light on what's happening. Let me, let me mm-hmm. hold on before you go jump in. Say, let me just say the last little thing. Remember this though. If you do this, you are putting yourself on the chopping block. Mm. You have to be prepared for what is to come. Yes. So you need to ask for positive and negative feedback that's respectful, of course. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. From your actors and from your whoever else you have listened to it. I only wanted to say that because people are like, oh, I did it. And everybody just dogged me. You got to be ready for that. And it's not being dog. It's, it's getting... Criticism. I remember years ago, one of my earliest screenplays I wrote, I actually uh, rented some space at Film Independent and had some actors come in that when I think I had just finished the the Cosby program and I had met a bunch of actors because Debbie Allen had come in and did our scenes at the Writers Guild and had a bunch of actors in. It was like, hey, you actors want to come on in and like read the script out loud for me? And literally, I just provided lunch. You know, it was really cheap to get the space and to film it. And just basically we went in there for like two and a half hours and I sat there and I ate my food and shut my mouth <laughs> and I took those notes and it was good coming from actors. And these were good actors like, and they were honest. And I told them from the very beginning, it's like, I know you probably enjoyed my stuff when Debbie Allen was directing you and you had the big Hollywood Writers Guild. Right. And I told them, this ain't it. This is the real nuts and bolts. Like, please don't be afraid to tell me if it's shitty. That's the whole point of this so I can get better at this. And it was a really great experience. Don't go in there expecting them to be like your other friends or your mom going, oh, it sounds so wonderful, baby. You're wonderful. No, you want to hear like, this doesn't mm-hmm. sound good. Like, this isn't realistic. And literally, mm-hmm. I had notes and red markers and stuff to help make that better. Mm-hmm. And it was a great learning experience to hear actors who know how to work with words, who we're being very detailed and being very honest with some things. And it's like, it's, it's a great experience to do when you get done, you know, with the script. I know Hillary, when we did your, your Tulsa script and you had all those actors in there and basically we were reading it and I can see you taking mm-hmm. notes, listening, sitting back on, mm, you know, that it's, it's, it's a necessary part of the writing process. Yeah. And, and that script, that, that that script looks it. different now, yeah. <laughs> you know, because of that, you know, it's better. Yeah. You know, what were yeah. you going to say, Saeed? I, I was just going to say one quick point, because while we were talking about rewrites, I was searching for this tweet. I kind of save tweets like Chris, but um, <laughs> I'm a maniac. My, my likes is nothing but writer quotes. But, but uh, <laughs> M, M. Night Shalahan said that it took him until the fifth draft of Sixth Sense to figure out that Bruce Willis was dead. And, yep. you know, so to me, that's like. And that's the whole movie. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, you know, like when, when you're talking about how many rewrites, it's that, to me, it's that kind of stuff, finding that gold where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, he's dead, bro. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. to that, what I hear, can you match that? I'm sorry, Lisa, but what I hear in that is that, um, and we've all done it, Chris, too. We were talking about your tattoo mm-hmm. project you have right now. Had you have written it a year ago, you wouldn't have had some of the new stuff you have now, right? Some of the new ideas and the new twists exactly. and turns that you come up with. And we've all done that where time went by, you saw a movie, you heard a conversation, you know, something came in your head and you went, ah, 
I missed this nugget. If I would have went with that last year, it would not have been what it is now. You know what no, I mean? It, it right. was, yeah. uh, look, I'll tell you about, look, man, the tattoo thing is like, like the, fina- the final five pages. I've had that outlined in, in deep prose for like six At least weeks. a year. No, oh, no, okay. no, no, the, oh, the, 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 the yes. final, and yeah. at least six weeks. And I've never really felt that it worked. I was like, something's missing. And I had other shit going on, and other, so I was like, I'm gonna get to, I'm gonna get to, I'm get to it. And then you know, and, and then when I brought in the pages last a couple of days ago to my group to see, you know, I was rewriting. They were like, How soon is it gonna be done? We want to see that as the end. And I was like, Ah, this is where I am, and I can't figure this out, and I just because uh, I can't see it is, and uh, and and they said, Well, what is it? I just told them. And when I was just speaking, and I, and I was just pitching them the ending, I pitched it a little different than I had in the page, and I was like, "Oh, that's how I'm going to do it." Oh, you answered it. That's, that's how I'm going to do it. You know, just by talking it out to someone, right. yes, yeah, you know, I yes, solved the yeah, little the, yeah. the, the, the little logic problem that yeah. I had in my own yeah. head that it prevented me from writing. You know, now granted, I have not. It's not that I've been working on it for the last six weeks. I've been working on. I've been just polishing the rest of the script and trying to get to that ending but um but it's one of those things you know it's like you don't know what it is it's a communication thing and it's hard to communicate with yourself because you are the sender and the receiver so there's no kind of like it's totally transparent which is which is incorrect because the receiver has to be someone else who doesn't is not in your head. Mm-hmm. And that's where I tell people all the time the, the hardest thing is that distance from your head to the page, that is the that is what writing is about. That is where you become a, a great mm-hmm. writer. If you can do if you can shorten that, you know, mm-hmm. and that just takes practice. Go ahead, Jamal. You know, so Yeah. I have a quick question because you know we we're seeing like Candyman, we're see, uh, Lovecraft, mm-hmm. Us, Get Out, and then I'm really really excited about Spell just because yes. I love uh, in, I love Intazaki Shange and I feel like it's kind of a take on Spell Number Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I was wondering um, in the in the genre space horror specifically, mm-hmm. Lisa, um, how? <laughs> I, you know, I've grown to like love, 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 love horror films. So I was just wondering, um, but we don't see too many of us in that space, but now it's starting to, you know, open up a little bit more. Just wondering, um, just some of the challenges within genre for black writers, whether it be uh, horror, sci-fi that you've experienced, um, but then on the other flip side some opportunities that you see that are emerging for genre writers um now that you know we have people like jordan pill that's really starting to you know knock down some walls um in our current contemporary context uh sure. some like struggles and some opportunities in that space well here's the thing about genre stuff particularly for It's not this the thing that makes those things really sing and will again cut to the noise like I was saying earlier is what's the movie really about? And I mm-hmm. think that I think that you know the a, a problem I see with like a lot of low budget film in general is 
it's just about what's on the surface. And like I was telling my brother that we were talking about, like you know, about how Night of the Living Dead is like the first, like, is the first kind of like, the first modern zombie film. And I said, yeah. I said, I said, you know, when it came out in the late '60s, I kind of feel what George Romero was talking about is that racism is 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 what infects these people. So mm. you know, that's what I mean. Is that what he's saying? Because I was watching the the. Uh, uh, um, uh, the first Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and I was like, oh, this movie's really about the secrets that happen in the suburbs. And it's about mm. this It's about mm. this vigilante justice and what are the repercussions of that? You know, because cause that, cause those mm-hmm. people who killed Freddy Krueger, they did it, you know, I mean, look, they took the law in their own hands. Mm-hmm. And then they kept that shit secret. And and the whole thing about suburbs, everyone knows is, is that not not like it's, it's you know this uh, inner city too. City too is like, it's like there's all these secrets and, and but it's the, mm-hmm. the facade is that we're nice and that we're good and tranquil and shit like that. And that's what that movie's talking about in a certain way. And I feel like you gotta come, you have to come and do that. I mean, even a movie like. Um, uh, um, uh, what's the one that, that your boy's name, uh, Beckham Woods did? A Quiet oh, Place. Out. Quiet Place, yeah. Quiet Place. Like, A Quiet Place is oh, yeah, a monster, yeah. it's a monster movie, but what makes it really mm-hmm. fascinating is, is that relationship with the daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it's a father-daughter story. And that, and that moment when he sacrifices himself for her, like, the ultimate act of love, because it's like, mm-hmm. I think that story is, like, the, the real bo- behind that is, She's a believe, she doesn't believe her parents like love her right. at that point in the story because she gave the the younger boy in the beginning that that think that toy that made the noise. Mm-hmm. She knows she was responsible and she's holding on to that guilt still, you mm-hmm. know. But that mm-hmm. but but mm-hmm. Is it, that's really the thing that really makes that emotionally work. So you so you, so you have to think about like what's yeah. really the human emotions behind the genre stories. You know that you've said in this wild world because you know, like, because Lovecraft is like it's addressing racism and addressing like, <laughs> you know, sundown towns. And if you're black, like yeah. the, the Green Book, what was his name? Courtney B. Vance is like mm-hmm. he drives out mm-hmm. to find places where blacks can like, like stay, like stay and not get killed on the road. Like that's mm-hmm. what's happening, mm-hmm. and that's like part of our history that no one wants to really talk about. You know, yeah. and, so, and this is this this is what I was gonna say, uh, uh, Emil. Is Jamil sorry? I just want to say ah for some reason. Forgive me. Um, not only do you need to create something that's in the sci-fi horror world, Chris is right. What do you want to say about it though? Don't just go, oh, I got this cool horror movie or I got this cool sci-fi. Have something. That's I think the reason why Jordan Peele in particular stands out the most right now is because he's saying something. There's a reason why he's the perfect person, for example, to do. Excuse me to do um, the Twilight Zone because it's the perfect mm-hmm. world to do exactly what Chris is saying. It's to play on your, you know, look how we're talking about black and white issues. Look how we're talking about poverty. Look how we're talking about whatever the thing is, but it's not on the nose. It makes you think. Were they talking about that thing? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that's clever. Mm-hmm. That's when you know when that's when you're sitting at the water cooler talking and everybody's trying to figure out what was that about. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, those what's, are what's, mm-hmm. go ahead. What's interesting that's coming out now since we have so many black content creators that are 
that are dealing with horror. And we see a lot more things coming on the pipeline in terms of sci-fi, uh, especially stuff with African sci-fi, um, the Octavia mm-hmm. Butler stuff mm-hmm. that maybe one day we'll see an actual Octavia Butler thing. Can't wait. <laughs> I, I, have, I, have no, I have no hopes for it because I think the problem is they keep getting the wrong people to try to do it, but that's exactly. what mm-hmm. But I, I, here's the thing. You know, we talk about Twilight Zone. I love that Jordan Peele's doing that. And one of the things that people, some of the criticism I've seen of that is this concept of like, well, you know, you got Jordan Peele and of course all his horror is, there's got to be some message behind it. Well, it's like, bitch, if you were watching the original Twilight Zone, that's exactly. all that <laughs> was dealing with. Right. You, you've got a war veteran. You've got somebody who's seen a lot of stuff. All of his stuff is mm-hmm. social commentary everything. from the night gallery, everything that man has ever done. So when people start criticizing, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I will say this, because I'm thinking of like bad hair that's about to come out, Justin mm-hmm. Simeon's thing, um, that I'm kind of iffy about because I do believe in satire. And even though it's supposed to take place in 1989, the New Jack Swing era, there'll be some <laughs> things I'm going to forgive because I'm like, oh, that kind of kind of date. And I realized, oh, it takes place in 1989. So I'm going to be open. But I think one of the things that I'm worried about, and I, I see it a lot in Lovecraft Country. I'm going to have to sit down the next couple of weeks and watch that all the way through. Because I feel like that now that Black people are, are starting to do horror now, I almost mm-hmm. feel like, I'm trying to word this very carefully. I almost feel like we're doing a, we might have the issue of doing too much. Putting oh, yes. everything yes. in the kitchen sink in it. Yes. Where... Maybe you have some people who like horror but really don't have a lot of experience with it, but they really want to do it because that's the new genre hot thing. What I would like to see more of in terms of those people, especially black folk, who want to deal with sci-fi and stuff, you don't always have to deal, and I'm just thinking of two of some of the bad press that the Janelle Monet thing that came out. Oh, yeah, yeah. Antibellum. 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 Mm-hmm. where it, it has a little bit of the kindred thing going on from the Octavia Butler's type of thing. And then it wasn't exactly what people thought it was going to be. And so some people are like, ah, what is going on here? I think we have to really, once again, study the genre. That means looking at the classic, reading the scripts, mm-hmm. looking at documentaries about the genre, and really looking beyond a lot of the, I don't know, it's just... I'm just afraid that we're going to just perpetuate stuff that's it's all about the message in terms of, oh, it's got like a slave background or this terrible Negro thing that happened back. It's like, I just want to see black people do hard. Like, I want to see normal black people (laughs) do a normal pupil shit. And then shit just happens. You know what I mean? And I wish that just I wish he could have gotten more on the Web series years ago when he did the. um Oh God! Oh, ah. I think it was called the Sterling K. Brown was in it. It was supposed to be a web series. It was crowdfunded. I think it was called the Oh God! Every year I say this, mention this thing, and I always forget the title of it, which is probably and it's probably a bad title. But anyway, if you look up <laughs> Sterling K. Brown, it was a short he did. But basically, it was a bunch of four brothers. They were just going to go hiking in the woods, and as they go hiking, in the as, woods, as brothers do. The arrival. I think it's called the arrival. <laughs> I think it's called the arrival or mm. something like that. The arriving arriving something like that but um they they're just going hiking they're just four brothers hanging out mm-hmm. attractive they were all good looking 
And it's like, they're doing <laughs> shit that I do. Like, they're going hiking in the woods. And they're talking about normal shit. They're not talking about, oh, the man's on my back. You know, they're not like, oh, Slater time. <laughs> they just doing normal shit. And in the middle of this normal shit, there's an alien invasion. Mm. But they don't realize it's an alien invasion because all they realize is that people are talking about shit on, on social media and, like, people disappearing. And then all of a sudden, one of their buddies disappears. And then they're trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. Like, mm. I just want to see shit like that. It was, and so, I am afraid that the stuff that's getting picked up is going to have either some kind of slave thematic thing or it's going to have some or trauma porn, black people, body stuff. It's like, yeah. just let us be our blackity black goodness yeah. and all of our manifestations that we come in, whether it's cishet, queer, non, but whatever it is that we are showing up as. Let us just be normal folk handling crazy, normal, supernatural shit. So, 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 like, I gotta co-sign that so hard because what I feel it happens is, is that a lot. I gotta figure out a word too in a gentle way. Is that I feel like too many times, dude. I see black stories, and it's kind of like you gotta tell me the. Like, there's a black story here, as opposed to because you're a black character in a story, you're going to approach it differently. Like, exactly. For instance, like, for mm-hmm. instance, if there were some black characters in, like, David Cronenberg's Crash, that movie has a different feel to it. Oh, it sure does. And it, but the thing is, it doesn't need to be taking place in the ghetto and about uh, war writers and shit like that. Thank you. <laughs> but, 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 but if someone although that, a really nice low rider will be nice, you know, <laughs> nice Impala. I'm just saying, <laughs> on Sundays, I just know I just saw on Sundays when low riders came out, rolling down Crenshaw, and, and we were classy. <laughs> We were hood. We lived in the hood, but we were classy about our ships. Yeah. So, so, so. I, I mean, so like, we can oh, have we can have somebody with a low rider and crowd. You, you can have that, but but you, but but you see what I'm saying? Like for like for instance, like if you took a David Cronenberg type of movie, like that kind of body horror, and if you like kind of replaced like like Dead Ringers, if Dead Ringers like was a like imagine if Sterling K. Brown did a fucking remake of Dead Ringers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I wish he would, God damn it! Because it's like, <laughs> wow. God, you got this. Oh, look, 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 he's a doctor. He's fine, uh, and uh, all this shit going on. But he's in the uh, creepy ass shit. Yes, like, like people Please, be like, what the, the fuck black, is this? Let the shit? black you know, community come out. I mean, Please. It's, it's let like, us show up. Yeah, because th- there was a movie he was in this year earlier called um, uh, it's called the Rhythm Section. Yeah. Is with her yeah. and with him and like uh and Blake Lively. Well, yeah. It was like okay. Yeah. I, I wouldn't say it was okay. It was it was subpar. But um Can I just but, have a personal conversation with Sterling right now? Finish your thought. I just need to have a little discussion with Sterling. No, but, but but here's the thing. He was in the movie and he was a black guy. And his swag just made it like the way he's delivering lines. All that kind of stuff, like it made it be different than if it was just some white guy. And I and I, and I was like, oh, that's actually like how that's that's how I would like to see him more. Right. He's not trying to like ham it up the way he did in like Alien, 
yeah. you know, or the way he did in like that movie with Jodie Foster about the hotel. Ah, ah, God, that was a travesty. <laughs> oh my heart. He's trying to ham it up too much. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like, you don't need to do that. Right. You have hmm. the ability to captivate people by being still. Yes. Which is very different. Yeah. Which is the sign of like a true, true movie star. So show me that more, and I and we can put you in a lot of shit. You know. So, so we need we need to wrap it up. We're going on a little long. But um, <laughs> Rich, Rich, were you about to say something? You kept about to jump in. You good now? Yeah, you sure? That's fine. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, thank you guys. Thank you so this, much. Was, this was awesome. Sorry to just <laughs> end, <laughs> stop it so quick. I got I got something coming up. I got to run to. You say? He's like, I got a shit food today. I know. Fucking around with y'all motherfuckers all day. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) So look, um, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to ask everybody what their their handles are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But here's what I want to do today. It's going to be funny. Jamil, you got to take us out with the song again. Yes. You got to. (laughs) This is song you did about Trump. That shit. Yeah, and we all might have to join in on the chorus. And please, that's fucking hilarious. Please. So I'll let you know when you're ready for that. So where you at, Saeed? I'm start with you. Uh, I'm at a uh, balance five one zero on Twitter. B a l a n c e five one zero, like the area code. Yeah. At Twitter. Exactly. Where you at, Rich? Uh, and we are Richie on Twitter. And Richard dot Scott dot ninety four on Instagram, and then I'm on Facebook more. I know I'm an old man, so just, <laughs> uh, just I, honestly, it's the best platform I think of all of them. It's the most encompassing um, and efficient. Richard Scott, if you just do Richard Scott plus Harvard, you'll be able to find me. Um, there's a lot of Richard Scotts online. <laughs> <laughs> you and your common ass name. Okay. Just put black in front of it. The black Richard Scott. The <laughs> <laughs> black Richard Scott. <laughs> Where you at, Jamil? I am on both Instagram and Twitter. I'm J-O-Quinn 06. That's J-O-Q U-I-N-N-0-6. Yes. That's what's up. And uh, now if you want... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. All right. No, I was just wondering if you wanted uh, wanted the, the... the hymnal, but we can wait until the oh, end. Oh, no, no. Well, yeah, well, we're we going to take us out. We're going to take us out. <clears throat> wait, yeah, Chris. Okay. I'm at a unauthorized CBD on Twitter and Instagram. That's what's up. Lisa, Lisa, Coat Jam. Uh, what fresh hell is this on Twitter? I've been off social media, but I've been on my burner accounts. So I have been lurking, but I haven't been lurking for the two weeks I've been, I've been away. So I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be lurking once more. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, but yeah, what fresh hell is this? So I'll probably awesome. come back after. I'm, I'm not going to come back until what fresh hell is this until after the election. Ooh, like when I okay. when I feel when I feel like I mean I'll still check every now and then, but I feel like I want to wait until like I want to talk my shit on my burner account because you know <laughs> my regular account you got all kinds of people. It's like okay, let me <laughs> let me be respectable on that one, but yeah. let me talk shit on the three other accounts I got. But yes, so yes, I yeah. Can you, you know at least retweet the show or something? Oh um, no no I'll, no no no! I'll do that. But in terms of like okay. making comments and all that kind of stuff, That's I'm just fine. like I'm just gonna hold out. Yeah. No yeah. problem. No problem. Yeah. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. 
Instagram, Hilliard Guests. Um, you can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. <clears throat> Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Spotify, whatever you guys listen to. Please give us a five-star review. We need that for the metrics. Um, and again... And, Ster- and Sterling K. Brown, I need you <laughs> maybe next episode. <laughs> we need to sit down and have a talk. We can have a Zoom chat because... There's so much that you could be in, and I just feel like whoever your people are, we're choosing the wrong projects for you because you have too much sex appeal and too much talent to be wasted on a lot of shit that's been coming out. And, you know, no disrespect, but you're just way too talented and too amazing and too sexy to be squandered like this. <laughs> squandered. Sir. 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 <laughs> where else, Chris? Where can, what do they need to find from us? They need to go to the screenwritersrr.com. And you can find our Patreon page. You can support us on Patreon. You can read up on the show notes will be there. Uh, there'll be, you know, like like I said, there is that. If the, if we get five people uh, who do subscribe for the secret bottle episode every month, there'll be one every month. But apparently That's people right. aren't trying to get the secret bottle episode. They don't want that game. See? They don't. They really don't. It's too bad. But there it is. Cool, cool. So go on the Patreon page. You can get merch on there. You get T-shirts. You get mugs. You get all kind of stuff over there. So we want to start seeing those shirts out there once we're able to come back around. You know, I was, was going to be mean and try to trip Chris up by making him tell us what the name of the show is. You know how you be conversating with people? And you'd be like, yeah, so whoop the whoop and so household girl and blah, blah, blah. Oh, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, aha! <laughs> gotcha, Negro. I'm too, gotcha. I'm too clever to be caught like that. Okay. <laughs> hey, hey, Saeed and Jamil, this is for y'all well, West Coast dudes. let me take that back. It's not being too clever right, to lose my right. job. So, 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 no, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're not trying to I get go. you unemployed. This for y'all West Coast dudes. Did Lisa just say, so, you know, whoop to woo Yeah. Y'all know. <laughs> right. Y'all know woo. That's, woo. A, woo. that's a West Coast. Right. <laughs> woop woo That's how we talk. I do have a question for y'all real quick. I'm going to be up in the Bay. Uh, I've been up, I'm pretty much, I spent half my time in the Bay right now. Uh, where can I go to get, like, good, like, soul food or like just black food like you know some good caribbean good good soul food good jamaican because i've been struggling up there barbecue spots i'll definitely hit you i I just followed you on twitter i hit you with the barbecue spots bake sale betty's i mean there's all kind of bro it's look i got you all right. <laughs> and they COVID ready too, bro. And they COVID ready. <laughs> okay. You ain't gotta get it. You ain't gotta get in no mass fights, bro. Okay. Oh, <laughs> no. I've walked out of so many spots. Grubhub hate me. They're <laughs> like, sir, you ordered. You're like, never mind. No, that shit literally mind. happened to me in Van Nuys last week. I walked the fuck out. She wasn't wearing her mask properly, breathing on my shit. Um, she literally, y'all, she didn't even like wash her hands. She sprinkled a little fucking um, sanitizer on it after she touched her mask. I was like, uh-uh, fuck it. I'm out. Oh, Keep yeah. that shit. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, so here's what we're going to do. Y'all joining with me. We're going to do our, we're going to do our Wakanda. And from that, we're going to jump into Jamil and we're just going to fade gonna on out. Jamil going to sing us out. All Give right. Us Give us a <laughs> <laughs> we're 
here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So y'all know how we do it on the rant room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda Take us home, Jamil. Come on, Jamil. You've been dragged. You've been dragged. You've been dragged. You've been dragged. Your white ass has been dragged. Take your bed I home and put on your hazmat. Hallelujah. <laughs> hey, that boy good. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. But y'all what? missed this. He said, I'ma say what I feel and I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the red room. Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind in the business, got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerds got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Red Room.